You won't be alone. Get away from her. It's not the same. It's not about you, Peach. This is about her aunt. Her mom literally just died. And all she has is, like, her Auntie O. And she doesn't want to be alone without her Auntie O again. And Jordan's like, I'll kiss you if you want. (laughs) It's so creepy and weird. I like it. Hello and welcome to Hour the 100 podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. <laughs> and our fun fact for this episode is, if you were in jail, what song would you sing? I want to try and think of something that I haven't brought up before. Because I know that like the amount of podcasts that we put out in general, like at some point I've talked mm-hmm. about all of the songs I like. Yeah. You know, so I, I want to think of something new. If I wasn't thinking of something new, I would just say Wonderwall, because mm-hmm. I really love Wonderwall. Um, okay, I'm going to go with any, most songs on Folklore by mm. Taylor Swift. Nice. That's what, that's what's been in my head recently. That is what is she, that is what she has been singing in quarantine, which is like, mm-hmm. as close as we're going to ever probably get to prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 27-year-old marketing coordinator and television critic. I'm a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. And I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. I'm not gonna put any effort into thinking of something new. I would sing Africa by Toto or Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Um, so, yeah. Or Heaven is a Place on Earth. Or Heaven is a Place on Earth. Oh. Yes. If you can't tell, I like the 80s. <laughs> Today we have words to say about episode 715 of The 100, The Dying of the Light. So this is a little confusing because if you haven't heard on Twitter, there are two characters that are like very near death this episode, but neither of them actually died. I guess you could say the light in Maddie's eyes died. Yeah. But I don't, so I'm not really sure what the... I Was the light the morality of the writers because that seems dead (laughs) i i would like to say that i thought this episode was was good it was very good um until about the last eight minutes and then i was like i hate this yep um so yeah i've seen a lot of things on twitter that a lot of people agree with us that the episode was very well done it was well written Mm -hmm. i thought it was very well acted for for the most part it was uh it was really entertaining uh up until the last eight minutes. Yeah, so I'm hoping that this episode can be, of the podcast, can be a little bit more positive than usual. I think there's still going to be some, okay, and then this happens, I don't really know why, that doesn't really make sense, but ultimately I think that a lot of the decisions were pretty good until that last bit. Yep. Yeah, so I'm hoping, here's a little bit of reprieve for you guys, I hope. (laughs) So we're going to move into thoughts from listeners pretty much immediately here. Starting with a listener who is me, because I listened to the podcast last night and I had a thought. Um... (laughs) I thought I was bringing up the fact that um, Sanctum and Earth are supposed to be going at the same time. So it's weird that on Sanctum it's night and then they pop over and it's like day. Um, And I had the thought like just because Sanctum and Earth are moving at the same rate doesn't mean that um, their days are the same length even or even that they're at the same time of day. Um, So I went back on my own criticism there. (laughs) Because just because it's going at the same time or, you know... I mean, I guess, yeah, at the same time, you know, the sun or whatever. I guess there are two suns in Sanctum, but um, they could be orbiting it at a different time. So, yeah, days can be different. They could be also be in different spots on the planet. Yeah. Because True. 
it's a different time on our planet, even in like Australia, Australia, or even just across the East Coast. So it, they could be on a, just on a different spots on the planet in relation to the sun. Right. Their specific suns. Yes. Um, and then we got a SoundCloud comment from my mom, um, and she was saying that um, instead of Gabriel and Bellamy switching places, she said, I heard some people say that Jordan should have been the one to fall for Cadigan's nonsense and yeah. would have worked in with how his character felt at the end of last season, how he was looking for peace and something to believe in. Bellamy didn't necessarily need all of Gabriel's storyline, but having him die protecting Maddie would have fit with his character and Clark wouldn't have killed him. He also could have received the care and love that he deserved with all of his friends around him. Yep. Fully. I agree. And then we also got, well, she didn't She didn't technically, like, add us in this one, but I like reading Joanna's live tweets, like, a lot. Oh, they make me happy. So I saved some of them, because um, we had brought up one of Joanna's tweets um, that, how uh, Hope only knew, like, six people in her life, mm-hmm. um, and four of them are dead. Yeah. And she said that she feels like it's different for Hope um, versus Jordan and Delilah, she said it's different for Hope and Jordan because she had Dev, Orlando, and Echo who barely slash didn't even know Dioza. So she got to be her own person to these people. Like, Jordan had no one like that before Delilah. Yeah, that's fair. And then she said if they wanted so much to do Hope and Jordan, a hint in the finale would be beautiful. Like, the idea that something could start with them past the end. Like, the Rafi and Seven hand-holding moment in Picard. Yeah. Like, do a promise for more and let your fans pick it up. I agree with that. Like, I feel like... It could be implied towards the end, and we don't need to waste time leading up to it. Yeah. To, on something that isn't, we're only going to see for two more, one more episode. Yeah. So, like, I agree with Joanna. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we also got two emails this week. Um, one of them was about last week's episode and the other one was about this week's episode. So we're going to read the first one now and then the second one later because it's about the episode that we're about to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, so this one's from my mom who is at DC Jeffrey on Twitter. Um, and she wrote a whole email that I am now going to read out for you. Um, she said, I really liked Selena's question and it got me thinking. So to remind can you remind everybody what Selena had brought up last Uh, episode? Yes, last episode, Selena asked us to go into more of our thoughts on um, what we think fits for characters and, like, personally, our own preferences for them and what uh, we feel that the narrative and the characters themselves would actually want. Right. For example, Clark having a love interest or not. Okay, so back to my mom's email. What Selena said was intriguing. Is what we want for Clark the same as what Canon Clark appears to want for herself? Does Canon Clark want to be in a relationship? Over and over, Clark has been isolated. On the arc, she appeared to be isolated simply because of who her family was. Then she ended up physically alone in solitary confinement, and then over and over, her people were taken from her. Not all the relationships she lost were romantic, but I think they all contribute to her desire to have a true connection with someone, whether that's friendship or family or love. And I don't even know what to do with how she can cope with the fact that so many of those relationships she lost through death were made or implied to be her responsibility. She wants it for sure. Jake. I think she loved both her parents, but it feels like there was something special between her and her dad, and she ends up losing him in a horrific way and watching it happen. Wells. She thought he betrayed her and pulled away, but then when she finally found out he hadn't and thought she'd get that friendship back, he was killed. Abby. When she realized her mom was involved with Jake's floating, she pulled away, but sometimes you just need your mom. And although they didn't always agree, they did continue to grow closer. But life didn't give them time to really connect before it pulled them apart, going so far as to have her push her mom's body out of an airlock. Finn. I don't think he was ever her person, but at the time, to her, he likely felt like someone who she could be close to. And then Raven came down. Raven. So much potential for that friendship, and I loved the I'd choose you first first conversation, but after Clark killed Finn, they just never seemed to get back to that place. Add to that, the six-year separation and the space between them became a chasm. 
The Hundred. I think that's what I miss most about the first couple of seasons. I miss them all working together and for each other. They were a team, a found family, and Clark was an essential part of that. There was a potential for her to be part of the group, but then they had her go off after season two to go through the grief on her own while others forged stronger relationships together. Nyla. Clark was all alone, granted by her own choosing, and again seemed to be looking for a connection. Lexa. Going in, it felt to me that they both knew that their time together might be finite. They understood each other and shared the common experience and loneliness of leadership, but their obligations to their people got to take precedence. And then Lexa died, and the chance to even get to a time where they could choose each other first would never be a possibility. Bellamy. Whether romantic or platonic, Bellamy and Clark shared something special. As overdone as the head and the heart was, they did balance each other out and keep each other centered. Thanks, Jaha. They would separate and come back together both physically and morally, not sure that's the right word, but they didn't always end up with the same viewpoint or opinion on matters. As a diehard Bellark, my head is having trouble even contemplating how she could have gotten to where she did and what she did. I didn't even need them romantic in the end, just the potential for them to continue to get through this together, but we all know what happened there. Maddie. The only person she had for six years. I truly hate how they've latched onto this mother bear, save Maddie at any cost attitude, making Clark seem irrational even even at times, but I can understand how important this relationship must be to her. It's the longest one she's had since her family in Wells. If she loses that, then what? Who is left? Is she again all alone? This put her at odds with Space Crew in Season 5, and then when she reconciled with Bellamy in Season 6, it felt like her circle could increase again. But then they throw that out the window with Season 7, and now she's holding onto Maddie so hard that Maddie's pushing back. It's hard to blame her. I really think Clark wants to find a connection with someone through romance or friendship, whichever, but I feel like the narrative is damning her to a life all alone, and it's sad to think that's how it's going to end for her. It's why my heart hurts so much for Bellamy, because I think he deserved to feel love and knew he wasn't alone when he died. And so does Clark. I hope that wasn't too long-winded. Okay, love you, bye. <laughs> I, she's right. So if anyone was wanting us to go more into depth of the Clark, uh, my mom did it for you, so there you go. Um, yeah, I agree. I've also, I've been, like, just thinking about this as the season progresses and, like, as I watch Clark lose more and more people, and I just, I hate that every connection that she's had with somebody else, romantic, familial, platonic, friendship, whatever, has been used against her in the narrative, and, like, Clark, like you said, keeps striving to make these connections and, like, feel like she belongs with these people and, like, and express her love for them, and then the narrative punishes her for having those feelings over and over and over again and at this point Clark is literally responsible for the death or like feels responsible for the death of everyone she ever like deeply loved and that's a terrible message to send to people like it that's horrible I used to love Clark and now I just want like I, I don't want to watch it anymore I don't even I don't want to look yeah so, um, this episode, we were able to split up into three different storylines. <laughs> um, we did it with the stuff with Maddie on Bardo, um, and then we did the stuff with Imori and company, uh, and then we went to Clark. So, once Clark shows up on Bardo, that's when we, like, flipped over to Clark's storyline. So, this one should be pretty small at first here, uh, with Maddie. Maddie is escorted into the MCAP, where she meets Levitt, who is very nice to her. He gets her settled in, and they start going through her memories. Cadigan is a huge douche about it, but what else is new? Levitt finds that the memories she has are in a completely different place than usual, and it's really strange. The deeper they go, the more dangerous it is, but Cadigan doesn't care. Levitt is apparently the best of the best at MCAP, so he just has to do what Cadigan tells him to. At some point, Maddie realizes that Becca didn't want Cadigan to get the code, so she starts resisting. Cadigan brings in a bunch of disciples to restrain her, even though she started hurting herself. Levitt's like, mm, I can't do this morally, so Cadigan dismisses him. 
Earlier, they were told that someone had taken two of the nano chips. That's in the other storyline. And should they bring them through? Cadigan's like, <laughs> no, as if. So Levitt leaves the MCAP and lies to the other conductor, saying that Cadigan said to bring the people through. She does, but they move the bridge to the Arboretum, so Clark and Octavia end up in the middle of a war zone. Neat. So that's that's about, like, uh, half of the way through the episode, maybe a little bit more, um, once, that's, once that happens. But uh, So this should be a pretty short storyline that we can get through. Um, okay, so first of all, Levitt is very nice to Maddie, and that makes me smile. We know he's a nice guy, and we can tell because he's nice to Maddie. He's a good boy. Um, they, I noticed that they, they put her in such a, like, a small, childish outfit, you know? So they do what they do at the end of the episode to her, all the while trying to get us to remember to think of her as a kid, like, yeah. as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yikes. What? Yeah. I, that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that, because especially in season five, she was always dressed in, like, cool stuff, like the rest yeah. of them. And this season, they've really, like, babied her. Mm-hmm. And then they do this. Yeah. And it's like, she's older. I mean, only by, like, a little bit, but still. Right. Um, why is this heckin', like, giant pokey thing part of it? Like, what, is, what does that do, other than it was so that Echo could stab that one guy that one time? I'm like, what That's are you- what, I'm like, what do you do? <laughs> um, so obviously the person that Maddie thinks of is Clark, and Maddie tells Cadigan about Jordan's theory. And I'm like, is this the first time that Cadigan's hearing about it? I think so, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and he won't even consider the fact that they may be wrong. No, he's why, like, why would they, why would he consider being wrong? He's, he's God. Yeah, and he says, what is war but a test of might and will? Shut up. Okay, whatever. And he goes, I don't want to send my children to die. You did! You already did! Like, is he, he must be talking about the disciples or yeah, whatever. But he, like, but you sent your children to die. You did it. Like, he says, he says that, and he's very clearly talking about the disciples. Yeah. But like, he... His actual children, he left on a radiated planet. I know, and he keeps being like, I want to see my daughter again. I want to see my daughter again. Maybe you shouldn't have just, like, dumped her. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he had the stone. He knew how it worked. He could have gone back Mm -hmm. at any time to be like, hey, I'm sorry I suck. But he didn't. (laughs) Cadigan's just, um, a jerk. Thanks. So, two of the nanotags, you know, the ones that were made up last episode, have mm-hmm. been activated, and they're like, should we bring them through? And Cadigan's like, no, just make them think that we forgot about them. Or like, the <laughs> phone who dissed them. They try and show her the picture of Callie that she drew, but she doesn't even, she doesn't remember it. Um, and she tells Cadigan that she's not doing it to help him, she's doing it to save everybody, which is very brave of her. And mm-hmm. if I were Cadigan, I'd be like, okay, great. Like, I don't care why you're doing it, I just care that you are. Right. So all of these memories are in, like, a different part of the brain, and Levitt's never gone that far into the brain before, and it's kind of dangerous. And Cadigan's like, well, you're the best of the best, so, like, figure it out. So and just keep going. And Levitt's like, oh, okay, well, I'll just be really careful, I guess. So it's interesting because some of her memories are from Becca's perspective, like, especially in this scene, like, they're from Becca's perspective, so it makes sense because Becca had the flame in her head. Mm-hmm. But later, um, we start getting memories that, like, aren't even from Becca's perspective, you know? Like, they're they're from, like, people looking at Becca or, like, seeing Becca do something, and I'm like, okay, I'm you lost me here. Right. Like, they're, we've had, we have four characters who have legitimately had the flame in her in their head who we could use footage from the perspective of in this moment and justify it, right? So we have Clark, uh, Becca, Maddie herself, and Lexa and Shade Hedda, so right, five. Right, yeah. And uh, we just, we, we use scenes that are from the perspective of, like, Callie and Reese and, like, the people on the Ark 
and um, it doesn't make any sense because these people, these wouldn't, these memories wouldn't be in her head because those people didn't have the flame. Like this is that's just an editing problem, but it it kind of takes you out of it. I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, like I know it's a yeah, it's an editing problem, but it's something that they could have paid attention to. It is something that's important. Yeah, it's definitely not Callie's like, memories, but, like, we see stuff from her perspective, even though, like, it's been said that she never had the flame. Mm -hmm. And Cadigan is demanding to see more, but she, like, Maddie just full-on doesn't have it. You know, she doesn't have it. Yeah. I mean, eventually we find out that she, like, did have it, but it was way too far in. And so I kind of like this, I really like this moment for Levitt. It's a good episode for Levitt. Um, can you believe I'm saying this? It's literally the penultimate (gasps) episode, and I'm like, what a good episode for Levitt, who we literally just met this season. (laughs) Um... Who was a tertiary yeah. character at best. But I like this because we, we always kind of knew, we knew that Levitt was more moral than everybody else. And at least, at least in our opinion, in which you like love specific people and you can't just like go against the people that you love for, um, for everybody. And so, you know, if I was Levitt in this moment, I'd be thinking, okay, we're supposed to do this for all mankind, right? Like our whole thing is for all mankind. We're doing everything for all mankind. Mm-hmm. Maddie, Maddie is part of mankind. Yeah. And we're treating her like trash. And just because, like, it doesn't feel like it's part of their religion or faith or whatever to, like, screw over specific people for the good of everybody. You know, you're supposed to love everybody. That's something that Doucette did. Doucette said, like, I'm going to pay attention to you. I'm going to treat you well because you're part of mankind and I'm here with all mankind. I really feel like the stuff that happened with Levitt this episode, if it can happen to one of them, it should have happened with Doucette too. Yeah, I I really like what you're saying here, especially because, like, it doesn't make any se- It really super undermines their whole mission statement of For All Mankind in the fact that they're willing to just kill other people, mm-hmm. like, other humans, that just because they don't believe. It's just... It's probably on purpose because it's probably just showing that they're just as hypocritical as anyone else yes. and they do care about only their own people and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Same thing we've watched for seven seasons. But... It just really undermines that. Like, it, you don't actually care about all mankind. If What makes it okay to destroy a single other individual and not okay to love a single under, other individual? Mm-hmm. That's that's messed up. It's hypocritical. And I, I agree. I think that they're doing some of it on purpose. Um, but that doesn't make it any less frustrating. Mm-hmm. You know? And sometimes, you know, you write things to be frustrating. And that's the point. You know, you're writing things to make your audience feel things. And it's okay if it's like occasionally they're just like the writers are just trying to frustrate you. The problem is when they're just like constantly trying to frustrate you and hurt you. So, yep. yeah. So Maddie looks really scared and uh, uh, for heckin' good reason. And Cadigan tries to reassure her. He like puts his hand on her shoulder Get away from her, you lunatic! He's such a cr- Stay away from her! Get a job! Get out. Go away. No. Yeah, so we start seeing Becca, which is weird because it's supposed to be Becca's memories, like we talked about. And we also start seeing Luca, so it's intermingling with Maddie's own memories. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just sucks because, I I mean, we haven't done the summary for that part, but it's kind of come out at this point that, like, Maddie is kind of unavailable at this, at, like, by the end of this episode. And it just sucks because we spent the whole season being, like, kind of bringing up Maddie and Luca just for her to, like, bring him up once in a conversation with Clark last episode and then, like, see him a couple times here. I'm just like, is there going to be some sort of resolution for this? Like, probably not. Like, I'm wondering if, you know, everybody does end up on Sanctum at the end of the episode or, like, that one group ends up on Sanctum that, like, is Luca going to ask about Maddie or anything? Like... 
You know, it, it, it could maybe remind me of, you know, in season two when Bellamy makes his way into Mount Weather and Jasper brings up Finn. Sure. You know? But at this point, I have such little faith that that's something they're going to even care about or pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And if it is something that they care about or pay attention to, I'm going to be like, I'm also going to be upset because I'm going to be like, why this? Yeah. When we have like 50 other things that you didn't answer the question about. Right. So Maddie finds out that Becca said no and that... Katyn shouldn't go through, and she says, Becca went to the other side. I think we've used this word, like, wordage before. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just interesting. I'm trying to get any little hints that I can of what the other side actually is. It feels like at the end of this episode, Clark and Octavia are so behind at this point that it's, like, hard for me to believe that Katyn isn't already on the other side. Right. I, yeah. They're, like, they spent a lot of time. Like, how's she gonna catch up with him? Yeah. Also... This, I didn't pay attention when we were watching the episode, but now that you bring it up, the that use of the other side. Mm-hmm. Very Jasper. Hope Jasper's there. Yeah, Jasper called. I, I hope that they have, that what they go through on the other side and it's just Jasper. Yeah, he's Jasper like, just sitting there waiting. Like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Jasper used the concept of the other side a lot, and I think the other side was the episode in which Jasper died as well. Yeah. So it kind of feels like using the other side here is just like death is just like the afterlife i i'm not sure yeah um i think that's what they're going for i think the metaphor for transcendence is going to heaven and finding out if you're worthy and it's it's like it's going to heaven or hell in allegory form because it's you either transcend or you become a crystal giant which is the bad thing and the light people are the good thing and it's the same thing Mm -hmm. um Okay. <laughs> so, Levitt is obviously having some sort of, like, revelation about Cadigan. Like, you can see it on his face that he's like, um, something is happening here and I don't like it. It makes sense that Cadigan would have kept it a secret, the fact that Becca disagreed with him. And he's like, okay, maybe me and Becca had a disagreement then, but I'm totally ready now. Sure, sure, um, sure. And Maddie's like, I don't believe you. So she starts hurting herself, um, so he brings in a whole bunch of soldiers to restrain her, and... I think that Levitt potentially would have stayed to help Maddie and try and make sure that Maddie isn't getting hurt if he hadn't been dismissed. Mm -hmm. Because originally I remembered it as him being like, this is kind of sucky, I'm gonna go. And he like leaves. Then when I rewatched it today, Cadigan's like, uh, you can go. You know? So like, at least there's that. that Because otherwise I would have to come on here and and bring up the fact that Levitt just left Maddie in a bad position. No, I didn't, he he didn't leave. He was, he was dismissed. He was told to get out, and if you don't get out, there's a whole line of soldiers out here who will shoot you and make you leave. Yeah, because he's like, um, you're dismissed, uh, because you're too close to this. And so I was like, okay, well, why did they even bring him in in the first place? And it's because he said that he's the best of the best. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there are a lot of people with guns outside the door, and Cadigan basically just turns to Maddie and says that he has no choice but to continue for the good of the many. Uh, And I'm like, dude, it's for the good of you. Like, just say it at this point. Yeah. Whatever. Admit your own selfishness. Shut up. And so Maddie says, go float yourself, which of course she heard from Clark, etc., so Levitt goes to the stone room and there is the um, other conductor there who had come in earlier and was like, hey, some people took the nano things and Cadigan's like, ha forget about them. Uh, and Levitt says, hey, just so you know, um, Cadigan wants you to bring through those people now. And she's like, oh, that doesn't make sense. And he's like, ha, who am I to know? <laughs> who am I to question that guy? Oh, well, well, if you're not going to answer or, like, do the thing that he wants him to do, I'll just go tell him that you're not listening. And she's like, no, 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 it's okay, I'll listen. This is um, fine, I'll do it. Yeah, so I- I'm wondering, like, what his plan was there. 
uh, because she says that the bridge has been moved to somewhere more strategically advan- advantageous, which ends up being the Arboretum, and it's just surrounded by soldiers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm wondering what his plan was. Was his plan to get Octavia and Clark, or whoever it ended up being, and just knock this lady out and bring them straight to MCAP, I guess? Because, like, there are a lot of soldiers in MCAP. Like, I guess later... Clark and Octavia are like, what's the plan, Levitt? And he's like, I don't know. You're the plan, people, right? I just got you here. So maybe yeah. he doesn't have a plan. That was I don't... probably his goal yeah. all along, was just to be like, hi, what now? People who are better at plans than me, what should I do? So yeah, then they end up in the Arboretum, and that's that's that storyline. Super, super quick that one is. Um, before we move on to the Imori storyline, just wanted to remind you guys that we have four other podcasts. Um, yeah, my personal favorite, oh, it's hard, because my personal favorite one to record is Riverdale, mm-hmm. um, because it's just so much fun to talk about how dumb it is. Um, my personal favorite podcast to listen to, though, is Lost. It's our longest one. We have guests. It's spoiler-free, and it's about my favorite show in the entire world. Um, if you're looking for a show that is also an ensemble show, is also a survival show, but the writers care about you, they care about their audience, and they care about their characters, um, check out Lost. Uh, We also have Stranger Things, which is just the most 80s thing ever, and it's really (laughs) fun because there are three different, like, age groups of people, so, like, no matter what you like, you have somebody. Yeah. Um, Because, like, I I love teen adults Mm -hmm. on Stranger Things, but, like, my heart lies with the teens, but Mm -hmm. I'm also a person who is 25 years old and still reads YA novels. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. But there's also... The children are also delightful. So true. Uh, I think Stranger Things is probably my favorite one to record, personally. Mm -hmm. We also have a Star Trek podcast uh, that Brittany and I are the leads on, and Robin is there, but she's a new Trekkie. Um, We've covered all of season one of Picard, and it is really fun. Go check that out as well. If you haven't seen any Star Treks, um, I show up and I ask all of the dumb questions and ask for all the dumb clarifications. Um, so you don't have to worry about not understanding something because I'm with you. There you go. Yeah. Uh, okay. We're going to move on to the Imori storyline. And I was genuinely, um, just like I aged several years during this (laughs) storyline. So I asked Sam to summarize it and she was nice enough to do that for me. When I tell you guys, I did not cry during the episode. I cried before the episode, like as it was starting. Mm -hmm. Um, I just like started crying before it even started. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) Yep. I am so tired. But the, the, also the problem was that I was really worried that Murphy was going to die this episode. And so like hours before I was like, these are my last few hours knowing that Murphy is still alive. These yep. are my last few days knowing that Murphy is still alive. I The existential dread when you sense that your favorite character, like your comfort character or whatever, mm-hmm. is going to literally die and just be murdered in front of your eyes and like not get a good death is uh, horrible. Mm-hmm. So uh, I feel you. I know that Richard chose this death, and so I was, like, so in between trying to figure out how I felt about it. Like, if they killed him this episode, I'm like, okay, well, why didn't we just let him die in the finale? Because it was so close to him being pilot to finale. Like, why didn't we just let that happen? Oh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the episode, he didn't die. Yeah. Uh, so we're good. Nobody dies this episode. Yeah, nobody dies this episode. Um, well, a lot of disciples <laughs> die. No one with a name dies. Yeah, exactly. But, but then I was like, okay, but if he dies in the finale, then he probably won't get as much time as maybe he deserves. Like, Gabriel got so much time. Mm. And so I was like, maybe I do want him to die this episode, because then he'll have, like, a lot of, they'll give him, like, a lot of, like, time, basically. I feel like we're gonna get a death montage in the finale. Yeah, that's gonna suck. 
so yeah, yeah, that's how I was feeling about it. Luckily, Murphy didn't die. He's literally fine. So that makes me even more worried. Like, I still don't know how he's gonna die. Like, I thought maybe at the end of this episode, he would, like, get fatally shot or wounded or whatever. Yeah. And then his death would be at the beginning of the finale so that we would be able to have the time at the beginning of the finale. I was gonna be fine with that. But now at this point, I'm, like, still just, like... It's up in the air. I have mm-hmm. no idea. I'm, like, pretty certain he's going to die. Who's to say? But I don't know. Like, I feel like if Richard chose Murphy's death or Murphy's ending or whatever, I feel like Richard would choose for him to die. I just think it's really confusing because obviously the end game that they're playing here now is Clark takes the tests and we either transcend or we don't. Yeah. And I think it's really... I don't understand why or what else we're gonna do if if that's like the end game because if Clark passes the test then everyone transcends happy ending no one had to die or or it implies that she passed the test and they all transcend and they're all dead anyway because they're not human anymore they're light beings and And that's as good as dead like I don't (laughs) I can't even imagine because I imagine, and I've never been in a writer's room for anything, but I imagine you go in, especially for a final season, uh, unless you're Riverdale. Mm -hmm. Riverdale goes in every season and it's just like, okay, here's our big bad. Who is it? Don't ask me that. Ask me that halfway through the season and then Mm -hmm. I'll decide. But I feel like, especially when you're going into a final season like this, you have to be like, okay, what happens at the end? We're, We're building up to whatever is happening at the end, what's happening at the end. And I just like... I can't imagine them being like at the beginning of this season, they're writing the beginning of the season and they're just like, okay, the end game is everyone becomes light beings and everyone's dead. Light beings? Glow glow people? I I just like I just hope that's not it because I just have a hard time like looking at your show in general, mm-hmm. coming into the very last season and being like, Okay, what's the end game? Everyone becomes light beings. We we what? we go into a ball of light, pass a test, and then everyone becomes the ball of light. Yeah. Like that why? That's so stupid. If you look at the first five seasons of this show, those made sense. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't all good, but like They weren't this bad either. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't stop thinking about how season five's ending with, like, a few tweaks should have been the end of the show. Right. Like, it should not have kept going. Yeah, and I don't know if I brought it up on the podcast yet. Maybe it was just to me, you, and Brittany. (laughs) Um, But they ended season five with end of book one. (laughs) That's so cringy. That's so embarrassing. Because book, book one was five seasons long. Yep. Book two, like, you need to have three books. You know, if you're gonna do it, like, make it a trilogy. So you're gonna have three books. And and they should all be at least close to the same length. Yeah. Uh, I'm just like, I don't know if they're gonna end the series by saying end of book two. If they do that, I'm gonna throw up. That's... Why? No, don't do that. Please don't do that. I, I, I have a hard time wanting nice things for Jason Rothenberg, mm-hmm. but I just want to give him this piece of advice. Do not end the series with end of book two. This episode ends with <laughs> to be continued. This isn't even a two-part finale. It's not a finale. finale. It's not a two-part finale and you ended it with end of, or, or to be continued? Don't do that. I don't, 
Like, he shut ends- up! We know there's one more episode. We know that you're continuing the story. I, I can't. I Please don't end the series with end of book two. If the last thing that I have to see in this entire show is end of book two, I'm gonna lose it. No, the, the last thing you have to see in this entire show is please watch my prequel. And no, yeah. no, we're not going to. It's not getting picked up. No one likes you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Um, End book one was where the show should have ended, and we shouldn't have slapped end book one on it. We should have slapped the end on it and just been done with it. If like, it was, we shouldn't even have gone to a new planet. Yeah. We should have woken up whatever many years later that it took for Earth to become green again, because clearly it did, and that didn't matter anyway. We should have just woken up however many years later and just been like, wow, we get to build a society now instead of killing each other. Mm-hmm. Neat. Yeah, and maybe, like, I don't know, have season six be them rebuilding the planet. Yeah. And being happy. That would be nice, and then we could have some more, and then Jordan wouldn't be as Jordan-y. Like, I've just, I've spoken to so many people who were, like, so deeply invested in this show, and, like, that was the end game we all thought we were, like, working towards, and now we're, we're, our goal is to go into a ball of light and become the ball of light. Sometimes when a show takes a hard left and left into sci-fi, you're like, ooh. But other times it takes a hard left into sci-fi and you're like, um, this isn't what I signed up for. Yeah. And, like, it was sci-fi enough to begin with. Like, at the beginning of season six, I thought I was excited about the new sci-fi stuff because I'd recently become a Star Trek fan. And, like, I am into, like, the whole, like, aliens and new worlds and all of that. But the 100 executed it so poorly that I, like, don't give these, don't. Just don't let these people be in charge of stories, ever. <laughs> Great. Anyway, I'd love to hear your summary about the Amori storyline. All right! So, Murphy wakes up in a pile of rubble, desperate to get to Amori. His head is pounding and he's angry. I personally think we should support him. Jackson and Raven appear and they are ready to help. Jackson wants to check if Murphy has a concussion, but Murphy tells him to shut the hell up because getting to Amori is more important. The structure begins to rumble as they hear Amori and move some rocks and they find her. She's got a piece of rebar stabbed through her abdomen and she jokes about it. It's just a scratch. Uh, Jackson saws through the rebar to free Amori so they can pull her out and she realizes that she's also got a gaping wound in her leg. Neat. She's losing too much blood so they need to cauterize her wound. They don't have any anesthetic so it's going to hurt, like, a lot. Jackson and Murphy continue bickering while Jackson sticks a sword into a fire. Where did the fire come from? Don't know. (laughs) Amori asks Murphy to distract her. It sure is eating up more of their oxygen, though. Right. Amori asks Murphy to distract her and tells her to imagine that they're back at the castle pretending to be primes and living their best lives. She says he hated playing primes, but he says that she loved it. Amori explains that that was the first time that she thought she mattered. Murphy tells her that she always mattered to him. Jackson has his hot sword ready, and they uh, burn the heck out of Amori's leg so that at least she'll stop bleeding from there. Raven rolls around the corner with a gurney, saying she heard screams. Yeah, wow, I wonder where this came from. (laughs) Anyway, she couldn't find Echo, but she did find medical supplies. But not enough, according to Jackson. This pile of rocks is just not up to code for surgery, he says. Raven says that the stone is actually in the rec room. Easy peasy. Uh, They'll just find it and dow the sanctum and take take Amori back to a slightly less trashed hospital. Maury asks about Maddie and the rest of their friends, but they all tell her that she is the priority right now. They will Maury into the rec room, and everyone who isn't dying from a flesh wound starts searching for the stone. They turn over bookcases, tear down tapestries, and then realize it's probably under the piano. When they move the piano and the rug, they see the Asgeta symbol painted on the floor. Boy, I can't wait for that one to not get explained. They figure X marks the spot, and they're about to start digging when Maury starts bleeding again. 
She says that they should be worried about Echo, too, and Murphy says he is, but she's more important. Raven comes back from somewhere with a sledgehammer, and she and Murphy get to work uncovering the stone. Jackson redresses Amori's wound, like, really badly. He then swaps places with Raven, both because Raven needs a break and because Amori needs a pep talk to help her stop dying. Amori talks about how Raven always did hate being helpless, and Mori tells her that uh, even though Raven felt like their time on the ring was time wasted, she tells her that the time that they spent together was some of the best on her, in her life. She tells Raven that she loves her, and then instead of saying it back, Raven tells Amori that she'll just be okay, this isn't goodbye. Amori says that they should go to Bardo because saving everyone is more important than saving her. She tells Raven that they've already lost Bellamy and that's too much. They need to save everyone else and that's what she wants. She says Murphy won't be able to, but she trusts Raven to make the hard choice like Clark does. Raven says that she made the wrong choice before and she's not doing it now. They joke about Raven being stubborn, stubborn and then Raven promises to save Amori and then save everyone else. It's kind of her thing. Gotta say, I missed this Raven. Mm -hmm. They uncover the stone, but Amori stops breathing. Jackson starts pumping her heart and says he can keep her blood going, uh, but they have to go, like, as soon as possible. Murphy uncovers all of the symbols that they need to get to Sanctum, and Raven dials the wormhole. Jackson continues pumping Amori's heart, and Murphy thanks him and promises they'll come back for Miller. Jackson says they aren't losing anyone else. I don't believe him, Mm -hmm. but okay. Yeah. And that's the storyline. So it's interesting how messed up everything is here, Mm -hmm. when the rotunda seems fine. Yeah. Like, everyone's just hanging out in the rotunda. And, like, like and no one knows how much everyone else is struggling. Mm-mm. And we have no idea about uh, Nyla, Nyla and Nyla. Uh-huh. So, Murphy shakes off the cement like a puppy dog. Um, <laughs> and my question was, where were Raven and Jackson? Uh, and so you went back and looked. I went back and looked. Uh, Raven and Jackson do stay with them. They were all in the rec room where uh, Gabriel passed away. Um, or... I'm not even sure they were in the rec room. They were just in a room near the rec room where... Where Gabriel, like, pounced on Shade Hedda or whatever. Where Gabriel, like, attacked Shade Hedda. Right. And passed away. Yeah. So they were all in the same vicinity as Mm -hmm. each other. Uh, The four of them especially were together. And then Amori goes out into the hallway to, like, listen for the rumbles. And Murphy is out there with her. Right, because you were saying that Clark told Raven and Murphy to go find the stone. Yeah. Okay, so this part was a line that I considered making my favorite line award um, because I really love Jackson being like, you might have a concussion. How many fingers am I holding up? And Murphy's like, too many, because this is not what we have to do. It was cute. Um, It was funny at the time. Yeah, there were a couple of other lines that I thought were funnier, um, especially because, like, when Murphy makes a joke, um, it's usually because he's meaning to joke, and Mm -hmm. he was just, like, really serious and really scared in this moment, so I was like, eh, it's just not as funny. Um, But I still really like that moment. Yeah, this just in, Murphy can't count, and that's why he didn't answer, because <laughs> he can't count. Yeah, it's okay. He He's he's just a baby. He mm-hmm. can't count. Yeah. Um, I totally forgot that Jackson and Murphy were kind of at odds, because Jackson blamed Murphy for Abby's death. Mm-hmm. It's just weird, because Jackson was the one who was really mad at Murphy, and Murphy was like, oh, okay, sorry, my bad, I feel really bad. Um, and then after that... Uh, like, this whole episode, Jackson's like, Murphy, let me help you, and Murphy's like, no, you suck. So I'm like, uh, okay, sure. Uh, Murphy just misses Abby, okay? Yeah. He's the only, Abby is the only, uh, competent doctor that, that Murphy trusts, and, uh, I'm with him, I gotta say. So, and Maury is literally stuck in rubble, and she makes a dad joke? Yeah. Like, there are some conversations that are, like, super well-written in this episode. I will give Kim that. Like, I, there are a couple a couple conversations in this storyline and the next one that we're going to discuss in particular that are just, like, some of the best of the season, probably. Mm-hmm. 
But this was really stupid. Yeah. Why? Like, Amori's <laughs> literally dying and you're having her make a dad joke. Why? Like, it reminded me of, like, when Nyla was like, haha, get it? Cool? Because it's cold? And I... No. It's, it's not funny. Why? Like, Don't I get that. that you're trying to be funny and add moments of levity into a really dark episode, but it doesn't work. I did not like it. Um, yeah, she has a giant thing of metal in her abdomen, and she says it's just a scratch. Um, she's much more chill than I would be. Sure. Yikes. Uh, then we have the credits, and, um, a lot of people on Twitter were pointing out the fact that Bob just is not in the credits, Mm -hmm. but Chuku still is, and so we went and checked, and Bob also wasn't in the credits last episode, and I was looking at it in particular, and it's, like, it's not even that they, like, bumped up, I think, Marie is next. They didn't even bump up Marie's name to be where Bob name was like they literally just like and erased like, it like there was a space yeah they didn't like in the past uh i feel like they just lingered longer when Paige and ian were both taken out of the credit well yeah. Paige didn't get taken out of the credits because she was in the finale and then next season it was uh people had been promoted but when they took ian's name out i felt like they just lingered longer or there might have been a space as well there mm-hmm. because he just uh he was at the end. Yeah. It, it just feels weird. I'm like, ugh. I I, I don't you, want to... <laughs> for this episode in particular, mm-hmm. you could have put Louisa there. Yeah. Just saying. Mm-hmm. I know. I said, like, last episode, I was like, this is going to be a really good episode for Louisa, I can tell, and I was right. But this, like, I don't want to assume anything that's happening back, like, backstage or um, behind the scenes or anything. That's just, like, not what I'm here for. Yeah, for sure. But, like, God, does this ever seem shady? Yeah. Like, it really seems like Bob's being punished for something. And it's like, I'm maybe he is. I don't know. I'm not going to comment on these people and their lives because uh, I don't want to. Yeah. It's just weird. It feels, like, they, like, really pointed. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that went down and nobody is the good guy. Yeah. <laughs> there are no good guys uh-huh. that we will probably never know about. Yeah. So they saw the rebar and they get her out of there and she's like, oh my god, my leg. And they're like, well, why didn't you tell us about your leg? She's like... I was, like, completely numb. Um, sorry I didn't know, but now I do, and my leg is messed up, Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, so they need to cauterize it, and we get, we get to do, um, we get to have Murphy doing medical things again. Cute. That's my guy. So, and Maury's like, hey, can you distract me? And we're like, sure. And in the, in the closed captioning on our TV and on Netflix. And on Netflix. It was like, okay, here, ju- here. You're smashed, we're in Kaylee's big bed, and I'm like, alright, I'm automatically out. Like, get me out of like, here. What why? the heck is going on here? Yeah. I'm uncomfortable. Why are we bringing this up right now? Jackson's like, what the heck are you talking about? I'm Distract like, Ugh. me. Let's talk about when we were drunk and, like, having sex. Boning, no, whatever. no. And so, which, like, Sam, it's, it's an easy jump for us to make because they've had them boning every, like, every episode. Yeah, or, like, almost. And so Sam was re-watching it today, and she's like, I don't think he says that. Yeah. It's just that Richard is a mumbler. <laughs> it's that Richard mumbled and whoever uh, did the captions just wasn't, looking wasn't at the paying script. enough attention or looking at the script or like was just going too fast. Mm-hmm. Because when you listen to it, and this is how I realized that it was what it is, I was not looking at the screen because I was like writing my notes at the time. And he says, okay, just imagine. Mm-hmm. And somehow that got turned into you, you're, you're smashed. smashed. Just you imagine, it's so much nicer being like, don't you imagine we're in Kaylee's bed? Okay, sure. 
but like you're smashed and we're in Kaylee's bed has a completely different connotation mm-hmm. and a really weird thing to say right now. Yep. So I'm glad that's not what he said, but uh, I bet a lot of people think that it is due to closed captioning. So they talk about how Murphy didn't really like being a prime, but Amori did, and she felt like she finally mattered, and he says that she always mattered to him. Yeah, like, I guess, I don't really have a whole lot to add, I just think that this scene is very good, and mm-hmm. I agree, and I'm glad that we're getting some Amori moments, because it feels like they've kind of just been hanging out, you know? And, like, the only time that we have, like, moments for Memori is them being like, hey, want to go bone in the other room? Yeah. Or whatever. So it's nice to get these kind of moments, uh, sucky circumstances, but that's just how it be. So Raven goes, hey, I heard screaming. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) And Amori asks about Echo. Um, where is she? We do not know. Uh, we did not see her this episode. No idea. I assume she's still in that room with Nyla. Yeah. Stuck? Running around hallways? I don't know. I I guess they're in that room or like concussed or just figuring out something else on their own. And, like, we do see Echo in the trailer for the finale in a ghost helmet, so she's fine. Yeah. Uh, Don't know about Nyla, for sure, one way or the other. Not sure if we will know or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I hope that the reason they ended up revealing that Nyla is Asgeta has something to do with the Asgeta symbol on the floor, but I I doubt it's going to mean anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it just sucks because Echo doesn't know about Amori or Gabriel at this time, two people who mean a lot to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, another thing is that we still don't really know where the bomb came from, because they don't mention it at all on Bardo. Yeah. Like, they don't talk about having sent a bomb through, which makes me think that it's from Sanctum? I think we're supposed to assume that it's Bardo, but they don't... They don't talk about it at all? I So, the... It's like, it's, not only was it, like, so clunkily brought in at the end of last episode, but now, like, they're not even give us a explanation? We're just supposed to assume, and um, it's stupid. Okay. (laughs) But it's also brought up that they don't know about the people in the rotunda either. Like, the people in the rotunda don't know anything about the people on the other side, and they don't know Mm -hmm. either. Like, Miller calls for Jackson, but he doesn't hear him. Yeah. Um, Jackson's like, I can't do this. I need an actual operating room. Like, we really need to go to Sanctum. Um, And Raven says that the stone was in the rec room, so we don't know who buried it in concrete. I assume that's a prequel thing. Yeah, probably. It's... Like, if I had to guess, I'd be like, okay, so the grounder culture happened or whatever, and at some point, like, somebody who was in the thing or, like, Callie or something, like, joined Asgeta once the clan started happening, and then whoever, someone who knew about the stone came down there and, like, made it about Asgeta or whatever. Also, you're telling me that the stone is a hundred feet down. Yep! In the rec room, but the rec room has vents that connect to the rotunda that can be reached in, like, two minutes. So Maddie climbed ten stories in a vent in two minutes? That's one of my notes as well. Play by your own rules! You make the rules and you break them and it makes you look bad. So Raven's like, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And I, I I'm not going to lie, I thought it was invisible. I thought, <laughs> it, I thought it was going to be invisible. And I was like, how did I, nobody ever bump into I it? I was just like, I, I want to see drunk Nyla just bonk into the stone yeah. and not understand why. So they're like ripping apart the room and they realize it's under the piano. Um, and there's an Asgata symbol. Yeah, it must be a prequel thing. Like this wasn't Nyla because she specifically was like, well, why didn't we see it? So yeah, I would guess uh, some grounders came down at some point and did this. I don't know how. I don't know how they made the 
the floor so level like I don't I don't know how where they got concrete from I don't know but like the the symbols are supposed to like connect it's probably a prequel thing it's not yeah. gonna get answered I no. why am I wasting my time yeah um Amuri keeps bringing up Echo and Murphy says that he is worried about Echo but he's more worried about Amori obviously um because she is more important than anyone else in the entire world First of all, Jackson's like, okay, go off. I'm, like, literally right here. I'm also important. Um, <laughs> but this is Murphy. This is him. Finally. That's the, gu- that's the guy. That's the guy. I know that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Brittany mentioned to me earlier to imagine this storyline if it were Kane and Abby. And um, I just want to say that I'm going to bully her about that for the rest of forever because that hurt my feelings. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but also it would be really good as Kate and Abby and I, I am emotional about it. Thanks. So Raven calls Murphy Thor because of the hammer. And of course that brings up a whole headcanon that he and Raven maybe like watched movies together on the ring or maybe all of them oh. watched movies. Like they all watched the MCU or whatever. Cause we know that Murphy has seen the Hobbit. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> I, I love headcanons like that yeah. because like, I feel like I would watch a whole sitcom of them on the ring mm-hmm. and, uh, I miss when I could... That's the prequel I want. I miss when I could have fun headcanons about, like, stuff that happened in the gap. Mm-hmm. Um, so, our next note was, where is Gabriel's body? Like, did they just, like, they're like, hey, move it, Gabriel, and they just, like... Yeah, did they just, like, leave him there? Is he just, like, passed away, laying on the floor? Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, so Jackson's like, hey, just so you know, like, we really need to do this because she's, like, not gonna make it. Uh, and they're like, okay. So they start smashing the floor. And... Jackson goes to Amori and tells her that they'll save her, and he asks Raven to talk to her because Amori thinks that she's gonna die. And I really wish that Raven was more lovey with Amori because Amori has spent like the past like three episodes being like Raven's the coolest, and Raven being like, uh, yeah. Um, and like Amori literally tells Raven that she loves her, and Raven like doesn't say it back, and like yeah, even though she's like, I'm not gonna say I love you back because um. That like signals like an ending or like that the sentence is over. It's the like saying goodbye is over and say say goodbye and I don't have to say goodbye. And I'm like, okay, but you should say it back just in case though. And like even if even if it's not goodbye, it's okay to tell people that you love them. Yeah. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but Raven has been like that person with people before, right? Like with Clark and stuff. Has she ever been like really? Hey, I care about you. You mean a lot to me to people. Or is this, like, supposed to be, like, a character moment where she's just, like, never really been... She's always just been really closed off with people. I feel like she's been there with, like, Clark and Abby. Yeah. At least in the early seasons. Oh, with Abby, for sure. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, they had a whole huge moment when, like, before Abby died. And yeah. then she watched Abby die. Maybe that's why she's not saying it back. Because she said it back when Abby died and then Abby mm-hmm. died. Well, that's another thing is that, like, she she literally just had a moment with Echo being like, you're my sister, you mean the freaking world to me, I love you so much, please don't do this, Bellamy wouldn't want you to do this, or, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Amori's like, hey, Raven, you mean a lot to me, I love you, and Raven's like, yeah. Raven's like, that sounds <laughs> like, like please Twitter say talk. it back. I just want, Ra- I just wish that Raven had been a little bit more, like, she, we could have had this same scene and had it still be as beautiful and impactful if we had just had Raven be like, I love you too, but I'm not gonna. Do I'm that. not yeah. giving up on you, mm-hmm. and or like I love you too, and that's why I'm not getting up, giving up on right. you. Right. Um. She kind of says, "What does she say later?" Uh. She says, "I'm done watching the people I love die." So like that's basically saying you're a person I love, but it's not the same as I love you. Yeah. Or I love you too. You know. Mm-hmm. So I wish she, I w- I just wish she had done that. I agree. So Raven comes over to Amori and goes, "Hey, uh, don't get up." 
<laughs> which is very cool. Uh, it was the, this scene was the script to screen, and um, that line was not in the script, so I loved <laughs> that. And um, they were talking about how they both felt helpless on the ring. They don't like feeling helpless, but it was the best time ever because they were safe. And it reminded me of that scene in season four, like near the end of season four, when she and Murphy are like in the back of the rover or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she's talking about how like she was so excited to be in the bunker because it felt like there was somewhere that she could actually like have a life and be safe with people. And then they immediately got like yoinked out of it. And so she was like really sad. So like they pretty much right immediately after that, like get another place to be. And so it makes sense that she would love that. And I wish she had said, I love you back. Um, Even if you think you can save her, say it back. And Maury is very space crew centric, and that's what I like to see. Yeah, I like to see people being like really um, with the with the relationships that they've fostered, like being really focused on those. I that was one of the things that I really liked about season five. I was I've been like looking back at some of my like coverage of the show and my previous opinions and stuff and how I felt about like earlier seasons. Uh, and one of my big things that I actually liked about season five is that even though we still had this big conflict over my people versus your people versus these are the priorities that I'm saving or whatever, uh, the definition of my people was really specific in season five. Like for Clark, it was Maddie for, uh, Abby, it was Kane for Kane. It was Abby. Um, for space crew, it was all of space crew for Octavia. It was specifically like. She had, like, the more abstract group, but she had, like, priorities within that still. Yeah. And, like, everyone's definition of who they were fighting for was really defined. And I feel like that's something that had been lacking in, like, season three and four. And, like, has been lacking since season five. It's just gone back to, like, abstract, like... I'm fighting to save everybody because that's what we have to do and we have to save everyone. But you have to save the people that you love because you can't save everyone. You're not God. You know what I just realized? Cadigan being like, I want all my children to live or like whatever. (sighs) He thinks that if he transcends, he can see Callie and Reese again. No. Well, maybe, but the thought that I have was that what if everybody on Bardo is descended from Cadigan? Ew! Because, uh, Because... he was the one who, like, you know, everybody is, like, made in test tubes. So, like, what if it's Cadigan who's, like, they're literally no, his children. No, he took people with him. That's true. No, he, you're right, you're people right. People went with him. Okay, sure. No, you're right. He's not the only one. I'm, but I'm still, like... But still, that's disgusting. Mm, calling everybody your children. Sure. Anyway, um, Maddie, or Imori says, like, if I'm right, Maddie will have turned herself in. So it's interesting that Imori, like, it wasn't Imori there when Maddie did that? No, they didn't, they didn't go, like, they, they assumed that's what she was going to do in the rotunda, but they didn't know, they didn't know about the knife, and. But didn't they end up, weren't they in the rotunda? Like, they have to have been in the rotunda for Clark to be like, Raven, Murphy, find the stone. No. Okay, what were they, where were they? They were all together when Gabriel died. Maddie went through the vent. Yeah. Clark leaves out the door and shouts on her way out the door. Oh. That they should find the stone. Gotcha. And they stay in the room where Gabriel died. They never. I understand. Okay, so then the bomb happens. So that makes so much more sense for Imori to have been like, "Wait, what's going on here?" That makes makes yeah. way more sense because for some reason last episode I thought like they were all kind of like together, and then when like the bomb happened, she like went out into the hallway, and I was like, "Are you dumb? It's going down, buddy. You just saw the bomb." But right. it make, that makes way more sense. Okay. I'll, I'll allow that one. (laughs) 
Um, so she tells Raven to choose everyone over just her, and she wants that. She, like, makes it clear. She's like, hello, this is my last will and testament. Don't help me. Help everybody else. <laughs> um, like, it really feels like the person who is the most for all mankind right now is Imori. Absolutely. Um, and that makes sense for her arc this season. Her arc, like, of eventually, like, caring about everybody has been so much more slow and, like, gradual and, like, well done than Murphy's, I think. Murphy's happened way too quickly for me. I agree. She says, John won't be able to, and there was a cut line, and when we saw the script to screen, Raven says, well, maybe the new Murphy might save the many over the few, and... And Maury says, maybe if the few weren't me. Why? Why would you cut that? Why would you cut that line? It's so good. It's such a good line. And, like, oh, Like, like we get the same effect when, with this anyway, because she's like, John won't be able to do it. But, like, go... You should have gone there. How it many was extra a good line. Seconds? How many extra seconds? We could have taken out Maury's dad joke for this. <laughs> um, we should have taken out the dad joke yeah. for this. She says that Raven needs to make the hard choice like in the reactor, but Raven regretted that choice. She yeah. says, I'm not going to make that choice again because it was bad. That choice has made her feel like garbage all season. Yeah, so she says, I'm done watching the people I love die, which, like I said, is nice that she says that she loves her, but she didn't say, I love you, so I like if I were a Mori, I would have liked to hear that. Yeah. Um, and she's like, oh yeah, being stubborn, that's your thing, and you know what, this is Raven, I, this Raven can stay. I was really upset with Raven earlier this season, um, but Raven has figured herself out, I think, and I'm happy because Raven was one of my favorite characters, and now she can solidify herself still in that, like, top five now. I, me. like, haven't recognized Raven since, like, close to the end of season five, or, like, honestly, since since the end of season four. Mm -hmm. Like, that was my Raven who, like, fought so hard for, like, her life and the life Restarted her own heart? Restarted her own heart, like... Fought to stay alive, like, kept fighting for the people that she loves until she thought she couldn't anymore. Mm -hmm. And she's been missing for me since then. Like, season five, five was, like, up and down, and season six was all over the place, and I didn't like it. And season seven has been, like, this sob story that didn't make sense for me because it didn't make sense with who Raven was, who I was told Raven was in the beginning of the show. And... This Raven right here is exactly who I was told she was in the beginning of the show, and she's the character that I fell in love with in the beginning of the show, and I'm just really glad she's back, and I hope she stays for the finale. Mm -hmm. So she says, well, my thing is also saving my friends and saving everyone, so I'm also going to do that. So they find the stone, and of course, like, I knew that as soon as, before I knew that Raven was going to go over and talk to her, Jasper, was, or Jasper, Jackson was like, I'm going to go help them. And I was like, don't leave her alone, because otherwise she's going to be gone. Like, she's yeah, going to be unconscious next time you turn around, you know? Yeah. And so that's what happens, is they're like, we found it, and Raven, like, turns around, and by the time she turns back, she's unconscious. And she's not breathing. Like, that's it. And so Jackson is going to give her chest compression so that he can move her blood around, but... Like, we need to get to Sanctum. Also, we like, can't do it forever. Also, this is just not how medicine works. I, I noticed when Jackson was redressing her wound, and this is, like, a direction problem and a such a not actually being a doctor problem. Mm -hmm. He just sticks a wad of gauze yeah. next to the rebar and then, like, puts other little pieces of gauze, like, next to it. And it's just really obvious that that's not going to do anything. And then he... This explaining that he can just, like, I, he can keep her heart going and uh, they, they just need to get through. She's not breathing, man. Like, uh, three, three minutes? Like, there's a certain amount of time without oxygen that a human being can live, and I'm not sure what it is, but, like, uh, this isn't how medicine works. 
So Katie sent us an email, like I said, um, about this episode. And a lot of it was about Clark and Maddie. So I'm going to skip over those. But she had one paragraph that was about Imori. And so I'm going to read that out right now. If this is the end for Amori, I feel it's a good end. I would have preferred her going out doing something heroic, but I don't see that happening with the amount of blood loss she's suffered. Which, I feel the need to point out that some of the chest compressions that Jackson was doing were maybe the most accurate chest compressions I've ever seen on film. That's okay. refreshing to see. They still weren't deep enough, and he had very bad form in the medium <laughs> shots, but that's largely out of necessity. Um, Katie has told us in previous... Emails that she's a nurse, so I'm going to take this as gospel. Yeah. Um, you can't perform realistic-looking chest compressions on a living human being without doing serious damage. Now, mm. whether the compressions would have been effective in keeping her alive, pumping blood to her brain, and not out of her gaping wound? Exactly. Uh, over the years, I've learned it's best not to look too closely at medical accuracy in TV and movies. She's right. Yeah. She should say it. I just like to complain. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the rest of this email is about next storyline, so I'm going to save the rest of the email, but I thought that was relevant. So Raven <laughs> stops helping Murphy <laughs> and instead puts the helmet on to make sure that the, I'm like, can we, can we hammer and wear the helmet to get the rest of the symbols? Um, and then she turns on the stone using the symbols because all of the symbols are, so I'm, I mean, I guess you don't need the whole stone and like you could just use a, it felt like you needed to, like earlier this season, it kind of felt like you needed to press very specific ones. Yeah, it feels like a big cheat to have them reveal like, a sixth of the stone. Yeah. And all of the symbols that Raven needs are right there. Like, ugh, fine. I, and I know that we don't have the time, but, mm -hmm. like, you've told me on your TV show, I've been paying extra attention because it's my job to pay attention to this TV show. Mm -hmm. You told me that there's a code to turn on the stone and there's a code to open the anomaly to a certain planet. And so that they're different. And that they're different codes and you need to do them separately. So it's weird to me that Raven turns on the stone and then it just opens the anomaly and they go through. I know that we don't have the time, but you've told me that you need to put in two separate codes if you also want to go somewhere after turning it on. Yep. I'm just saying. So my next question was, if they end up going to Sanctum, are they just going to like see Bellamy's body lying there? Like, can you imagine just going like, bloop, here we are, and then going, oh, ooh, crap. That's... It's just horrible. I know, it's horrible, but I'm also like, would that give Murphy and Raven and Amori a moment? I mean, I guess Amori's out of commission right now, but would that give Murphy and Raven, like, a moment to actually grieve over Bellamy? Because I can't say I'd be that upset about that if that were true, but, uh, that's a lot of what it is. Mm-hmm. That, that would be weird to, to put in right now, I guess, but... Yeah. I assume that because later we learn, or no, never mind, sorry, last episode we learned that um, the disciples went in and just like grabbed Shade Hedda and they like fixed him up and everything. So I assume that when they went there, they also like gathered up all the bodies and stuff, I assume. Oh, another thing in that regard is that uh, we all forgot that Maddie stabbed herself last episode. Yeah. Like, last episode, they brought up the fact, they're like, yes, our medicine is very good, Shade Hedda. We figured you out. You're good to go. But this time, they just bring in Maddie, who literally stabbed herself last episode. So, I assume they fixed her up with their magic medicine, but we didn't bring it up this time. Or, like, does the does the tracker stab thing not actually create a wound? Like, is that what we're going with here? Like, if we're going with magic... Anyway, because that's what we seem to be doing because it's the seventh season and we've just de we've decided magic is a thing. Is when you stab yourself with this particular knife and it just, when it comes back out, you're healed. Because all you did was put in a magic tracker thing so that you could yoink through a wormhole and end up wherever you needed to be with this magic thing. 
So Murphy thanks Jackson and they have like a nice moment and says that they're going to come back for Miller. So they go through the anomaly and to be honest, it's unclear if they go to Sanctum or not. Um, like what would Raven, what, what would Raven do? Because Imori says, hey, you should go to Bardo. Don't go to Sanctum. Don't save me. And Raven goes, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that because we're going to save you. And so I don't know if Raven was just like saying that to make, I don't think that, sorry. I don't think that Raven was just saying that to make Amori feel better and that she was actually just gonna go to Bardo. My question is if her mind was changed after Emori pretty much died. No. You don't think so? Do you think they're going to Bardo? Or do you think they're going to Sanctum? I think they're going to Sanctum. Okay. I I don't see them rolling out on the, in the Arboretum. Yeah. With, like this. That's true. They're going to, they're I, like, think they're going, <laughs> I think they're going to Sanctum and I don't know how much time they'll spend there and whether or not they'll get to Bardo at all. Oh, yeah. But One of my, like, complaints about this season was that, like, we need to bring everybody back together at the end. And, like, everybody was so stretched out, which is, like, fine, because then they finally did bring them all back together. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, everybody's not going to die on separate planets. This is great. Mm -hmm. But now they're all going to be, like, stretched out again. And I'm like, yeah. okay, so why did we bring them all back together just to get rid of them all again? Or, like, just to throw them all out different places again. Why did we ruin the, like, have that whole moment about ruining the helmet last episode if we're just going to get the helmet again? Why do we keep killing people to save Maddie if we're just gonna lose Maddie? It, yeah, it's bad. And, like, I agree with you that this should have been bringing everyone back together towards the end of the season. We have one episode left. They better bring them all back. I, I really want this I want this show to end on Earth. Why I, are we going away again? I agree with you. I'm mad about it. It's it's horrible. They, it should have ended on Earth. They should have come back to like we came back to Earth only to use it as like a garbage heap for to 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 hurt people more. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand why. I do think they are going to bring as many a certain amount of people back um specifically for Clark. Because I think she's going to have to pass the test and, like, face all the people that she's killed or whatever. But that should have been, like, the Lost season, final season, where they bring people back over the course of the entire season and, like, pay careful attention to each specific character and, like, what they mean to the story um, instead of just being like, woo magic, killing, death. Uh, oh, by the way, here's heaven and all the people that have died. Uh, good luck. I just wanted to say, it's a huge gamble to bring back a lot of actors for the finale. Because yeah. as many, like, the more NDAs that need to be signed, the more the information's going to get out there. You mm -hmm. know, I'm going to sign an NDA, but I sure am still going to tell my mom. Sure. You know? Mm -hmm. And, like, I can't control who my mom tells. I hope she doesn't tell anybody. But yeah. I don't know. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, the amount of, the the more NDAs that you put out there, yeah, the, the more, more pe people are going to know. The more people who have knowledge, the more people are going to have Fine. knowledge so i'm not saying i've heard anything which i haven't no um but there but are I'm just, rampant rumors. i'm just saying if you're bringing a lot of people back like that's a gamble for the finale also like you just didn't put in the work to like make it worth it mm -hmm. anyway like it's gonna be a it's a standalone finale uh, anyway and it's just gonna be like okay yeah has is this no it's not the first time we've done a standalone finale but it is one of the few, I feel like. I feel like it's like maybe half and half. Like season uh, one and two were and both. three were all part. Were all part two parters. Season 
Four wasn't. I don't think season... Oh, season five might have been. I feel like season five was... But I know season six definitely wasn't. But season six wasn't. And this one isn't, so... It's like a half so and half type thing. Yeah. I always think it's better to do that. I mean, a lot of the Lost finales, some of them are three-parters. <laughs> I just... I feel like I... When I look at the finales, the ones that I liked the best were one through four. Mm-hmm. And four worked as two separate episodes... Because while it wasn't a two-parter, it we spent all of one episode with one group of people and all of the other episode with another group of people. Yeah. And so it felt like a two-parter still. Mm-hmm. Right. And this, we get it to be continued on a not even a two-parter. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. <sighs> yeah. So that's that storyline. Uh, we have one storyline left, uh, but before we move on, we're going to talk to you about Patreon. So Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Um, we have monthly things going on here. Our lowest one is $1 a month, and then it uh, jumps up to $5 a month after that. So at $1 and more, you get early access to all of our podcasts. I think you're going to want it for the finale because um, that one goes up like a whole like, it goes up to the public a whole week afterwards, so you're probably going to want it early, in my opinion. Um, if you do $5 or more, you get um, 10% off at shopylux.com, plus all the things. This November, we're sending out postcards and including also stickers because we met a milestone on our Patreon. And also, um, we are now offering annual memberships, so if you want to pay for a full year in advance, you can, and you also get 10% off of that. So instead of paying... $60 over 12 months for a $5 membership, you would only pay $54 and you would still get all the perks of a $5 membership. Um, Shopylux.com is where me and Brittany sell our art. Uh, Brittany sells resin art and it's incredible. You have to go check it out. The, uh, the, the link is in the description for both of our stuff, um, but her stuff is absolutely gorgeous and she takes customs. You guys are lucky. I'm her assistant, so I get to tell her what to do. Um, <laughs> so you guys should order stuff so that I can tell her to make it. And I make phantom embroidery. I have nine The 100 designs currently, but if The 100 has burned you, I totally understand. I have um, designs for every other podcast that we Mm -hmm. um, podcast about and lots of other things as well. So you can go and check it out. I also have customs available, so um, feel free to reach out to us for commissions. um, And yeah, that's a way that you can help us out without paying monthly. And you also get something really, really cool out of it. Um, But if you can't help out at all, dude, recommend us to a friend. Truly, that is like the best way to get us up there, um, is recommending to us to a friend. I'm way more likely to, uh, listen to something or do something, um, if someone has recommended it to me. So also if you ordered something from Shop Deluxe or Hi Birdie, which is my thing, you can recommend that to a friend too. Yeah. That'd be dope. Thanks. We appreciate it. So we are on the final storyline now. Um, but me and Sam have been really burnt out by doing like so many, like just really long podcasts every <laughs> Thursday that we are going to go and we're going to have a snack. We're going to go and play a board game for an hour <laughs> and then we're going to come back and it's going to be like maybe three seconds for you. But for us, it's going to be a really important break. So yeah. we will see you guys very soon. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so we're back. Um, To be honest, our board game took (laughs) longer than we expected, but we probably (laughs) should have thought of that. Um, But either way, we are here, we are back, we are refreshed, and now we're going to talk about the final storyline, which is uh, centered around Clark. Indeed. Okay, here is my summary of the Clark storyline. Everyone realizes that the hallway is caved in, and it's impossible to get to everyone else. Clark immediately wants to take the nano pill to follow Maddie, and Octavia offers to go as well. Jordan tells everyone that he can tell the last war is a test because he can feel it. All right, guys, sure. Gaia and Indra also have a conversation about Faith. The pills don't work and Clark storms off. 
Gaia follows her. They both love Maddie, and Clark talks about how upset she feels when she's in danger. Abby must have felt the same way. Clark says that if Maddie dies, she doesn't have anything to live for, and Gaia wants to help Clark clear her mind. She tries, but Clark is still upset. The pills start working, and Clark goes through. Octavia says goodbye to Hope, and they disappear. They reappear in the Arboretum, where a whole bunch of disciples are training guns on them. They lay down their weapons and find themselves stuck back in their jail cells. Shadehada is next door singing, and everyone is really annoyed with him. <laughs> Levitt tries to break them out and attack some of his own people in the process. He finds them, and they formulate a plan to use Shadehada as a distraction. Shadehada's like, why should I help you? And they're like, oh, okay, we'll just close this door back up then. And Shadehada's like, okay, that guy was a good bargainer. Shadehada goes toward the MCAP and just, like, slaughters a whole bunch of disciples. Not sure where he is now. Levitt and the girls follow, and he's pretty shaken up by the scene. They get into MCAP, but Cadigan is gone. He left Maddie there alone, and she's unresponsive. Levitt checks the computer, and it looks like Maddie suffered a big stroke and has lost all, lost all use of her body. Clark's first thought is to just put Maddie out of her misery, which is just horrible. Levitt says Maddie is conscious and can hear and see them, so Clark tries to comfort her like she did Adam in season one. She's going to kill Maddie, but Octavia offers to do it instead. They almost kill Maddie, but Levitt sees that Cadigan got the code from her. Clark decides to leave Maddie there and come back for her after she stops Cadigan. What a time. Ugh. Once again, I liked a lot of parts of this episode. I even liked whatever, like literally everything that happened up to them walking into the end cap. Gotta say, same. So yeah, everything is closed off. So back, back on Earth, everything is closed off. Clark is like, okay, well, at least this doesn't stop us from getting to Maddie. Yeah. <laughs> like there is like three or four times in this episode where she's just like, I noticed you guys are thinking about something other than saving Maddie. Have I mentioned that we have to get to Maddie and yeah. that is our only priority and yeah. nothing else matters in our entire lives except getting to Maddie? Okay. Thank you. Okay. We, we get you. it. We, okay. So Gaia tries to stop Clark from taking the pill, and Octavia's like, yeah, stop, because I also want to go. And I thought she was like, we need an inside man, because she meant, like, herself, because she knew her way around the place. Mm -hmm. But she, like, literally meant Levitt, which I thought was kind of weird. Um, I thought she, what? are we sure she didn't mean herself at the beginning, and then later she means Levitt? Maybe. That's what then. I thought. Because then she says, my inside man sure is taking his sweet time. So it's weird to me that she would have been meaning two different people. Yeah. Because anyway, it doesn't really. So Hope kind of makes the assumption that somebody has to be waiting on the other side to like pull you through, which ends up being true. Mm -hmm. And Clark just like starts pulling at rocks and freaking out. Um, I'm not sure how that helps save Maddie at this time, but yeah, sure. Yeah. So my inside man sure is taking his sweet time. I'm not sure if he would know that it's her coming through though. And also, I also gotta say, she's lucky that he still likes her because yeah. last time you Didn't saw him, you left him, him after to die. Being, yeah, he was like being tortured and you just like left him there. So you're lucky that he still likes you. Yeah. Um, Indra wants to be brought over after Clark and Octavia get there. Like she's hoping that the next part of the plan is that Clark and Octavia get there and then they immediately open the thing so that Indra so that the rest can also of them come. come. Yeah. I respect her. I, I would also be ready to fight. Yeah. Um, and Gaia points out that killing a leader doesn't kill the faith that people have in the leader. She gives, like, several, um... Examples. Several examples, and it's it's a really good, it's a really good point. It is a good point, and it's a good, uh, it's a good scene between the two of them. Yeah, I agree. Um, Jordan Ga says... Gaia and Indra especially are, like, great in this episode, mm -hmm. I think. Even though their moments are really small. Yeah. Jordan says that war is a failure of everything. And I'm like, okay, buddy, do you know who you're talking to? I'm like, we get it. You hate every bad thing that's ever happened. Um, you've never been in a war because you were um, raised on a ship by yourself and didn't have to do anything for the first 26 years of your life. We get it. You hate everyone. Yeah. So Hope voices our opinion and is like, 
what makes you think that you would know better than the disciples who have studied this for years? Um, and Jordan just says that he just like felt it. He had a he had a feeling and a vibe. Why are like... you Why are you special? Right. I don't. I don't. I'm not really sure. I understand because he's saying that like he knew that there was like something else about like human evolution or whatever. There was another step to human evolution. He just knew there was one, well, he but claims, it's not necessarily this one, he, and he just, like, decides that, like, this must be the one that he felt exists? Yeah, and he claims that the red sun toxin, not the one from either of the eclipses, but the one that was, like, launched on people at the end of the season last year, and he only experienced for, like, 20 minutes because his friends saved him, is what motivated this feeling. I fully didn't even remember that happening. Me either. Had to look it up. I thought maybe it was, like, when he was, like, brainwashed last season, because I remember people, like, running in on him, like, doing yoga or, like... Well, that's basically the... Was that it? I like, I, I don't remember. I don't know. Jordan's like, I just wish I could have told Bellamy all of this. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, sure. So, <laughs> what So what are you going to tell Bellamy? You're going to be like, I believe you, Bellamy, and then Bellamy's going to get crazier? Like, what exactly are we telling Bellamy? That he's right? Because that's a test not going to help. And we should take it? Like... It's just not helpful. Um... So Clark, I don't agree with Clark all episode, but I do agree with her at this moment because Jordan's just spouting his random garbage and Clark's like, I don't want to hear about this anymore. This is stupid. <laughs> She's literally like, that's nonsense. I'm out of here. So I'm with her there. And then she goes, all that matters is saving Maddie and killing Cadigan. Okay. All right. So that's two. <laughs> that's like, at least two. I don't know if I wrote down all of them, to be honest, <laughs> but this is two at least. So she says that she doesn't want to hear about it because Bellamy is dead because of believing that. Clark, Bellamy is dead because you shot him in the heart. Yeah. Uh, Bellamy is dead because he got written out of the story in a really bad way. Yeah. Yeah. So Gaia follows Clark, who's going up to like, what's that called? It's like the, it's like a hatch. Like the hatch yeah, to the, get out, I guess. The like decon room yeah. for exiting the bunker. Yeah. And so she follows her up there. And I gotta say, what was the point of setting up Clia earlier this season if nothing is gonna happen? Like, I, are you gonna leave it open and I'm supposed to, like, believe that Clark just bought everyone more time before the glowing ball monster kills everyone? Or are we going to transcend and it's not going to have mattered? Or are you gonna pull the trigger in the last minute and make Clia endgame? Which is just a really bold choice because it came out of nowhere. Well, that's the thing. They're going to tell us that it didn't come out of nowhere because it happened earlier this season. But then Gaia was gone for such a long time that it does feel like it came out of nowhere. Right. So then Gaia's like, reminds me of someone I know because Clark used to do the same thing. And I was like, you and Clark were like not friends until like three days ago. Yeah. <laughs> until like recently. So I'm not really... For Gaia, it was like three days. Yeah. I don't... So, okay. And so they talk about Abby and how she must have felt this way... Every time. <laughs> uh, your thoughts. Your thoughts. Well, they brought up Abby for the first time since 601, and um, I actually, I liked six, the 601. It was like, sorry, seven, since it 701. Like, it was like 703 or 4, I think. I don't they, think they got that far. Well, Jackson brought her up constantly for like a maybe, couple episodes. Maybe three. Okay. Definitely not four. Okay. Anyway, whatever. They mentioned Abby for the first time in several episodes, and, uh... I like the conversation that they have because I, I liked that Clark finally understood Abby's perspective, but I just hate that it had to come at this point, mm. like it, that it took this long because like Maddie's been in danger before. Like Maddie has, Maddie went and gave herself up to take the chip or to take the flame and Clark 
I'm assuming felt this same emotion and could have understood Abby then. And the only reason that we're having this conversation now is because Abby is dead Mm -hmm. instead of because Clark actually understands. Because what you tell me in the next several scenes with Clark is that she doesn't actually understand. And she, like, her takeaway from this should be, like, giving Maddie autonomy and independence and, like, her own sense of self and stuff. To stop, like, I don't know, not... Her, her takeaway from this shouldn't be, well, my daughter's paralyzed, I should just kill her. Mm-hmm. And that's what it seems like. So that the, the final scene of this episode really ruins this scene of this episode for me, uh, which is really just disappointing. Because um, Abby would never... Abby would never even consider killing Clark. Like, I, I don't... Even when Clark... She, even when she thought Clark's body had been stolen mm-hmm. last season and that Clark was gone forever, like, I still don't think Abby would have been able to kill Josephine in that body. Right. Necessarily. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just sad that this is the takeaway and, like, we're getting conversations that should have happened already at the cost of, like, where we are now. And I'm just disappointed because I was really excited that the show like remembered Abby was a person who was like super important to Clark. I'm just sad that it is only used as a tool to make Clark more hysterical instead of like more measured and a better mother because it it makes her worse it feels like which really sucks because from my perspective Abby was a pretty decent mom and maybe I made most of that up in my head but I don't know it just it's disappointing. I, um, I don't um, know. Clark, Clark is just gone and I don't know who this is. Yeah. And she says that she can't, she feels like she can't get enough air. And I'm like, it's probably because you're running out of oxygen. Like, no one's <laughs> talking about the fact that, like, there's no, like, there's no oxygen in here. I feel like they have oxygen because there's a hole in the roof. Right. But everyone past the blast door doesn't have oxygen. Yeah, and they just have fires burning that's just killing right. their oxygen. So, Gaia says that she's proud of her for trying to save everyone. Oh, tr- proud of Maddie for trying to save everyone. Um, and Clark says that she killed Bellamy to protect her, and then she turned herself in. I'm frustrated, too! <laughs> yeah. I'm frustrated about that as well. Oh, my next note is, why, is, why was the end of our D&D campaign more satisfying than this recently? <laughs> I gotta tell you guys, let me tell you about the most incredible ending to our D&D <laughs> campaign, what just happened, Okay. So, me and our friend Erin were, like, in jeopardy, and we almost died, right? Mm -hmm. And she had, she was one of the, like, weapon specialists. She was, like, the security, right? So, she had this really fancy gun or whatever. And so, we were almost going to die, and our DM was like, okay, either Robin dies and Erin dies, or Erin can sacrifice herself for Robin to live. Yeah. And Erin decided to sacrifice herself for me, which gave me her gun. And then I rolled the killing blow to the to the villain using Aaron's gun. You guys, nothing gets better than this. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like, we came up with this like on the spot. It was improv. random. <laughs> like random. There's no way like it's amazing that I even just rolled the right thing so that the most incredible storytelling moment could have ever happened. And like roll multiple times rolled the right thing yeah. because like then Erin got to sacrifice herself for you and yeah. it was like really emotional it yeah. was like a cool moment for us and then and then I decided that I was going to build a monument for her <laughs> in her honor in her honor uh anyway I was just like hey remember when we told a better story it's just really disappointing that us rolling a d20 is more satisfying 
brings about a more satisfying narrative than uh, a entire team of writers working on a seven season series. Right. So she says that if she loses Maddie, she has, has nothing and will be nothing. Um, and Guy is like, okay, well, let's try and still your mind. So they're going to do some meditation. And Clark's like, okay, this feels like if this was like a lot of minds inside my brain, but there's just mine and I'm really upset. And Guy is like, well, it feels like you're not even like trying. So, and so Clark yells at Gaia for trying to like calm her down, but she's literally just trying to help because she also loves Maddie and she's just like, I don't know, just in general, just trying to help. I'm 100% certain that Clark was not putting in the effort. Oh yeah, for sure. She was like, this is dumb. Yeah. It's nice we get like a very, as much as I loved this conversation between Clark and Gaia, um, we like clip back to very, very quickly Hope and Octavia hanging out. Yeah. And I'm like, excuse me, I'm really interested in that. You can, put, we, can we go back? I want to see that. The season put more effort into Octavia and uh, Hope's relationship, which is why we care about it more. And now they're trying to, like, flip it and put more effort into Clark and Gaia, but we don't care because the work wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And they didn't put enough into Hope and Octavia because they get to say, like, three sentences to each other and then, poof, Octavia is gone. Right. Um, Hope says she doesn't want to be alone again, and Octavia says that doing the right thing takes risks. And so Octavia and Clark, like, zoot out of existence, and Jordan comes up and holds Hope's hand and says, You won't be alone. Get away from her. It's not the same. It's not about you, Peach. This is about her aunt. Her mom literally just died, and all she has is, like, her Auntie O, and she doesn't want to be alone without her Auntie O again, and Jordan's like, I'll kiss you if you want. (laughs) It's so creepy and weird. Like, I get it. I know you're not trying to make it weird, and there's nothing against these actors that are making it weird. It's the writing, and it's just, why? Why is he doing that? He wouldn't, this is stupid. Like, it's creepy. So Indra says, okay, well, I guess now the next thing we can do is just have faith. And it's a really lovely moment between her and Gaia. Um, yeah, that one, that line is superb. Yeah. So we get to Bardo again, and there's just like a lot of soldiers here, including Jonathan from Riverdale. <laughs> hey, I know that actor. And basically they have to like immediately drop their weapons and they get put back in jail. And <laughs> so what a great plan. That was rapid. I was like, that's kind of embarrassing, to be honest. Like, what upsets me is, like, I think I think I mentioned this in the first part. I don't remember. But, like, finally everyone was back on Earth, and now that, like, most people are gone again. I think I said that, didn't Yeah, I? you did. Yeah. So Shade Hatta is in his cell, and he's just, like, constantly singing, and everyone's like, this is annoying. <laughs> Levitt tries to break into the cells, and he's, like, dealing with some sort of, like, mechanical thing. I think it's the eye reader. Like, I remember something like that when Dioza got out, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the eye reader. I think that's what he was working on. Yeah. And so a bunch of people show up because they're going to feed Shade Hedda. And they're like, hey, since when are a level 11s on maintenance crew? And he's like, since today. Bleh! And he, like, shocks them and incapacitates them and I maybe kills them. It's, like, weird that he, he, later he's like, whoa, you guys, I'm friends with these people. Why are they all dead? And Octavia's like, that's war, buddy. But, in, but here he's just like, this like, is fine. Pew! And Octavia says that she has faith um, that they can save Maddie. But if I was Clark, I'd be like, okay, but you know hope is safe right now. So, like, you can say that. Right. You know like, I mean? you can't relate to exactly what I'm feeling. But she says that she knows what it's like because but she does, of hope. She does know what it's like because hope was here. Yeah. It's just, like, right now. Yeah. And so she's like, yes, I know what she means to you because hope means the same thing to me. And it's what I meant to Bellamy. And that's how she's going to remember him. And I'm like... This, that was actually a nice moment. Octavia gets to cry for approximately two seconds. Right. 
And I'm like, I'm glad it happened. It should have been longer. Mm -hmm. So Levitt shows up and we have like a lovely little Levtavia hug. Once again, I'm really surprised he still likes her. And (laughs) Levitt's like, I got no plan. So you, you figure it out. You're, Um, You're the plan, ladies. And Octavia's like, okay, well, let's go ghost mode. AKA just steal Shade Hedda's idea from last episode. Um, and he says we can't do that because there are too many helmets. And I'm like, okay, but what we could do is just wear the outfits and pretend you're disciples because that's what Gabriel, Echo, and Hope did. Right. Like, just show, just wear the, the things and just walk around like everybody else. Because even if you're ghost mode... Just try to like, blend in. Yeah. Like, they'll see you, but they won't know who you are. Mm-hmm. So they go in to see Shade Hedda and they're like, hey, can you be a distraction? He's like, I'm not a distraction. But he's like... Oh, since no one's shooting me, I guess you need me. Because he expected if you guys showed up just to, like, kill me. <laughs> and he's like, I'm upset because I helped them and they still locked me up and that was lame. He's like, how dare, how dare they do that? Like, I'm not any kind of distraction. I'm the high king of sanctum. Sure, Jan. Okay, sure. So he's like, sure, I'll be, the, I'll be the distraction because they're like, okay, well, either you help us or we're just going to close this up again and leave you. And he's right. like, yeah, all right, I'll help. So he basically just, like, attacks a bunch of the soldiers that are, like, outside of MCAP. Um, the ones that Levitt saw earlier. Mm-hmm. And he, like, tries to shoot some people, and but the gun goes offline. So it seems like the gun goes offline when you die, which is interesting. I wish we had brought this up yeah. earlier. I'm not sure if this is going to, like, go into anything that happens next week, but I think that's interesting. Yeah, it, it it's weird that a gun would be, like, connected to your life signs. Yeah. So he uses another body as a shield, and after this, we do not know where he is. Like, he, he he's missing. He His body isn't here in the hallway, so they didn't mm-hmm. kill him, which is weird because it feels like you probably would, he probably would have been killed. But everybody's gone, and we don't know where Shade Hatta is at the beginning of next episode, so great. Best wishes. Um, Levitt's upset because he grew up with these people and Octavia's like, hey, this is a real thing. Even if it's cool on TV, like you have to think about the actual repercussions of what happens here. Mm-hmm. And Clark's like, fun conversation, but all that matters is getting to Maddie. Have you heard of my daughter, Maddie? She is the most important thing in the world. Okay. Period. We got it. So they're like, okay, Levitt, you should go in first. And he really does step up and do it. He puts his gun behind his back. He's lucky that that's like the thing that he does. Mm-hmm. And he goes in, but Maddie's by herself. No one else is there. Yep. I gotta say, Lola does a really great job of just being completely still. She does an incredible job in yeah. this scene. Like, I, I still don't think she should have had to do this scene because I don't think this scene should have been written. Mm-hmm. But Lola does an amazing job. And I I feel that Marie does a pretty good job as well. Mm-hmm. So um, he checks and she is alive, but she's not responding. And Clark says, I'm here, but we cut away from her and she's so upset that her voice sounds almost like childlike yeah and so at first so high pitch yeah and so at first since we didn't see her say it i thought that they were implying that like maddie was like her like thoughts were like inside of the room or like inside the computer and she was like speaking to us through the computer or whatever Mm -hmm. um obviously that's not what it was i'm just saying that's that's what i thought at first yeah and octavia is crying because it's sad but also you know she just told clark that she understands you know so She's probably imagining if this had been Hope. Right. Clark looks over at Octavia and she sees Octavia cry. And I think that that kind of means to her that like it really must be dire. Yeah. Because she's like really worried about it. But then she looks over at Octavia and Octavia's also crying. And she's like, oh no, (laughs) it's worse than I thought. She's, yeah. Because it feels like Octavia like knows something that Clark doesn't. Mm -hmm. And I think she kind of does because she talks to Levitt before this. And so... It just gets worse and worse for Clark. And I, the single, the like 
few tears from Octavia are just, like, really good. Yeah, I agree. And so Clark's just, like, shaking Maddie and is being like, say something, say something. And imagine if Maddie had been like, something. (laughs) I thought the same thing when I was rewatching. I was like, thank God they didn't use that joke here. Because, like, that that would have been even worse. Mm -hmm. So basically she had a massive stroke and she can't move. And, you know, they're like, oh, can we, like, save her or whatever? And it's like, we were all sitting here like, can they save her? And he just goes, no. And we're like... Okay, so we... Even though there are two whole planets with tons of medicine and life-saving capabilities and even the ability to transfer consciousness into a computer or another body. Yeah, so they can't save her. Her her brain is broken and... Uh, well, it's not her brain is broken. Her body is broken. Right. Or, like, the piece of her brain that gets her body to work is broken. Yes. And so Clark's first thought is to put her down like a dog. She's not a horse with a broken leg. Right. She's a person. There are so many other options. This is ableist and horrible and disgusting. And, like, the fact that Clark would even think of this is just appalling. Like, I know we threw Clark out the window already, like, at the beginning of this season, I guess, because we knew she was gone already when she killed Bellamy. But this is just revolting? Um, when I saw Clark pick up the gun, I genuinely thought she was gonna shoot herself. Mm. Like, my first instinct was Clark is gonna shoot herself right here, and then the whole- Because it's so unbelievable for her to want to shoot Maddie. Right, and then the whole finale is Clark gonna be Clark, like, in heaven or whatever, Mm -hmm. and she, like, transcended anyway. But that's not what happens. The implication here is that Clark wants to shoot Maddie simply because she can't move. And, like, (sighs) that's so horrible. Like, there are people who live fulfilling lives who are paralyzed. Like, people in Maddie's situation exist, and we don't just shoot them because they're useless now. That's so f***ed up. I saw something that Selena tweeted, um, at Selena underscore hypable. Mm -hmm. She did not at us. I just (laughs) saw it, and I wanted to bring it up because I thought it was interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, She said after... That this is ridiculous also because literally last season, Clark spent trapped inside her own mind, unable to control her body, having to count on someone who loved her, refusing to give up on her. And that same someone, hilariously, she then shot in the heart a week later. Yeah. She, like, literally spent... She literally spent an entire season stuck inside her body, unable to move her body. And would you... And you would rather have just been killed... You would rather have someone have just shot your person. body while Josephine was in charge of it? She's a person. She's, like, 13. And, like, she can hear you. She's watching them debate whether or not to just put her down. And, and she can't speak. Or, like, and they're not using any of the technology, like, at their uh, disposal to ask Maddie what she wants. They literally have a thing that probes your mind and your memories, and they could see, they could... I'm, you're not telling me that they couldn't rig this stupid machine to get to, some like, consent? To be some kind of talk machine for Maddie and, like, read her thoughts. Like, you're literally in the room. Like, Clark knows exactly how it feels to be in this position because she was in it last season and she's just gonna shoot her kid. Like, that's disgusting. And it's like, this is so triggering. This is literally, like, the euthanasia of a child. Yeah. That's what you want to do? Okay. And then afterwards, she's just like... <laughs> Uh, well, okay, so we'll get there. Basically, um, Octavia's like, no, um, she doesn't want Clark to have to do it, so she will do it. And it's like, you can see on Octavia's face, like, she's literally like, no, Clark, you shouldn't have to do this. But then she, I think she realizes that that means she has to do it. And you can see on her face that she's literally like, oh my 
God. Yeah, she takes the she takes the gun from Clark and then walks in the other direction. And I don't know what Marie like chose to do in this moment, but I I really liked it. I, I like she was like, oh now I have to sorry for this is okay but I just I really hope that was Marie's actual opinion to what right. was going, what yeah, was going I on I hope she was just like ugh god here we go yeah so apparently this is the same song that she was kind of singing to Adam I did ugh. not put that together but someone on Twitter did I didn't put it together first time and then someone had pointed it out right after we watched and um it sure is it 100% is um Clark tells Maddie to just listen to her voice and she starts humming that song and they have this weird fisheye shot from Maddie's point of view where you can see Clark's forehead and Octavia just holding the gun right at her, like, at her heart. And um, Octavia's like, you gonna play Stay Odon? And, uh, okay. Yeah, she says, you gonna play Stay Odon, which is the most terrifying thing you can ever hear in your life, especially when someone has a gun to you. Yep. But Maddie is looking down the barrel of the gun. And then Levitt's like, oh my god, sorry, Cadigan got the code. And then they stop. What what difference does this make? Yeah, so Levitt, Levitt says he's sorry. And I'm like, what are you sorry about? Are you sorry about the, the fact that she's unable to respond? Are you sorry about the fact that they almost killed her? Are you sorry that he interrupted them from killing her? Are you sorry that he got the code? Like, what exactly are we sorry what for? What are we? Just a lot of things. Yeah. And I'm, like, I'm sorry that we had to watch this. <laughs> I just like, I don't really, and, and once, like you said, I don't really know what this changes really. Like, you would think that Clark would be relieved that he got the code because now. Then it wouldn't have been for nothing? Then it wouldn't have been for nothing. And now they can just do this thing and like maybe she gets to see Maddie if they all transcend. Mm -hmm. And like, and Maddie gets like her body back or whatever if they go to, they become light beings and it doesn't matter if she has a body or something. But like, you would think that that would, like, it's just infuriating. Yeah. And then once Clark learns that he has the code, she says he got what he wanted and left her here. Mm -hmm. And then Clark leaves her there. Yeah, exactly. It's like, how, how is that worse? Because how, now Maddie's just like sitting there in the thought that like my mom was gonna kill me. And then she And now didn't. I guess she's gonna come back and kill me later. And now I just have to like think about it. She like, she can't close her eyes. Right. You were saying. I think it's weird that they they pick and choose, I guess, what what parts of her brain are are not working in relation to, like, making her move. And I could not know um, something in this area, so I could be incorrect. But I feel like if all of the parts of her brain that are supposed to control the movements of her body are down to the point where she can't blink, she also shouldn't be able to breathe because her, the brain, the part of her brain that controls her lungs opening and closing, uh, should also not be working. So we're just gonna leave her here breathing with her eyes open, unable to move or like get to a bathroom or like food or anything. She's just sitting there. This is a horrible way to treat somebody. Like if they're, if she can't move, you shouldn't just leave her there. And you shouldn't shoot her either. You're, you're supposed to help her. You have an obligation as a human being to help somebody else that can't help themselves. Like, that should be the point of this show. Mm -hmm. Not, all your loved ones are dead, now you get to die too. Like, shut up. Like, Cadigan could literally just be in the stone room right now. Like, I said earlier this uh, in, in the podcast, like, they take so much time here that I really... Like, is it even worth it? Because it feels like he could probably, he's literally just in the stone room putting in the code right now. He's going to go through. Like, you don't have the time. Yeah. I like, don't, or, you don't know how long he, it's been since he left. Right. 
Like, are you just gonna run and catch up with him and then shoot him and then you take it? Yeah, or like, like it, it shouldn't be him. He shouldn't, like, do the... And I agree, he shouldn't be the person to represent the entire human race. But, like, who's to say he's not there right now? It's really upsetting. How long were you in prison? Because I, like, I know it's gonna be Clark, but at this point, I'm also, like, neither should you. Mm-hmm. You know? But, like, I know it's gonna come to, like, some showdown where they both go in and they have to, like, argue. It's like a debate or whatever. I don't know. But you make a great point because how long has he been gone? What is... It could already be happening. Mm -hmm. I... Another thing is that, like, Clark just decides to, like, leave her there. And so I'm like, okay, so if they killed her, then she couldn't transcend? Like, is that part of it? The fact that, like... If they killed her, she couldn't transcend, but if they leave her here, and since Cadigan is on the way to making everybody transcend, then, like... Then she'll be then okay. Then she might be able to transcend if they leave her here, because that was completely unclear. But but even then, if that is Clark's hope, then that would have to mean that she would have believed what Bellamy was saying, or yeah. anything, or that transcendence exists. I just still don't really understand what the difference between killing her now and killing her later is. And, like, also, if you can't transcend if you're dead, then Bellamy can't transcend, and that's, uh, really shitty. Yeah. Yeah, like, what, what's Clark's, what, what does this change for Clark that now she can feel okay not killing Maddie? If anybody has any insight on this, please let me know, because right now it makes no sense. So, Octavia's like, Levitt, are you sure you want to help us? Because obviously you, like, wanted this to happen, you wanted transcendence, you wanted to, like, get the key your entire life. And he says that he didn't have a life before he met her, which is very sweet, but something else is happening right now. Right. Um, and so they leave. Us at every romantic moment. Yeah. And so they leave, and, like, one single tear goes down Maddie. So, like, she's in there. Yeah, she's in there and she just like watched her mom almost kill her. And I'm like, oh God, there are so many different things that she could be crying for and they would all be valid. Another thing that I wanted to mention before we round out the episode is how much this show has done for the disabled community. I have seen people at Unity Days cry to Lindsay about how much Raven means to them and what incredible representation she has been and how strong she is. Um, And I know that it means a lot to Lindsay to be able to be that for people. And so this really feels kind of like a slap in the face to that community in particular um, because they did so much important work for them in previous seasons and now they've done this, um, which I can't speak for them, but I don't know. It would make me feel like they don't actually care about me. Anyway, um, the things that Sam and I said during this episode in regards to ableism, etc., are just opinions that we have cultivated over many years of being intersectional feminists. If you're a part of that community and anything that we said rubs you the wrong way, please feel free to reach out to us, aficionadospodcast at gmail.com, um, and we would love to, for the finale podcast, read out your correction and apologize and clarify for everyone um what the correct thing that we should have said was um it's important for us to hear from the communities that we are like speaking for um yeah okay and then it says to be continued no kidding guy thanks so much thank you yeah we got it so let's let's move on going in back into katie's email that um that she sent sure Uh, because the rest of it was about this mostly, uh, or this storyline at least. Uh, she said that, um, she says, wow, uh, but in a good way for this episode. 
Um, I can count on one hand how often I've cried while watching an episode of television. I can't relate. Uh, I <laughs> cannot count how many times I've cried watching TV. Me either. It is several. The end of this episode nearly brought me to tears. I don't use this term lightly, but a very triggering scenario for me is when parents are mourning in some way the loss of their child. I'm the second oldest of seven kids, but only four of us are still alive. Oof. I'm the, so sorry. Yeah. The scene with Maddie, Clark, and Octavia was so painful and evoked a visceral reaction in me that I certainly wasn't expecting. That actually made me happy in a weird way. That means I still care about this show and what happens to the characters. It's been quite the turnaround for me in these last few, three episodes. That being said, I'm kind of appalled that the writers and thus Clark would contemplate killing Maddie because she had lost the ability of voluntary movement, at least without any thought of other solutions or scenarios. One of which I thought of that could possibly be a happy ending for Clark. More about that later. Then she brings in her uh, paragraph about Amori, which we already mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, the epiphany and breakdown Clark has when talking with Gaia might be my favorite part of the episode. In yeah. the previous episode, Maddie's petulant teenage behavior really ground my gears. Then again, so do petulant teenagers in general. See, that's funny because I was not annoyed with her at all. I was like, yes, girl, I get it. But that's mm -hmm. probably because um, I like work with kids her age. Um, and so I'm just like, that's my girl. You stand up to her. <laughs> and I was sitting here like, you're both a little bit right and a little bit wrong. <laughs> and I think Clark portrayed the exhausted parent role quite well. I definitely agree about For that. For sure. I thought that was pretty funny. Her understanding as to what she had put her mother and friends through was an amazing moment of self-realization. One I never imagined I would see in this series. Agree. And what a performance from Eliza. The fact that this show is ending and Eliza Taylor has received no formal accolade for her incredible performance is a travesty, the proportions of which I cannot adequately describe. The fact that she didn't get one for Eden is a crime. Right. When we learned that Maddie was paralyzed but conscious, the first thing I thought of was mind drives. If someone yep. can get a mind drive in Maddie, her consciousness can be saved and stored. Or maybe the same thing can happen to Clark. Her consciousness can be saved to a drive. And maybe that drive can be put in Maddie so they can be together until Maddie's body gives out. Could this be the happy ending Aww. Clark would get? Not likely, but it's a neat thought. That's really sweet, actually. I know many people won't share my enthusiasm for this episode, and I completely understand why. It certainly has a few dark and disturbing scenes with grim connotations. Those things sit differently for me than others. Regardless, I'm interested in the direction the finale will take, but I'm having a hard time believing we'll get a satisfying ending with everything wrapped up in a tidy little bow. Here's hoping for a decent ending. Katie. I like your thoughts. As usual. Yeah, I am also just hoping. Really hoping. I just, I will take, the bar is on the floor. Mm -hmm. Actually, the bar is in, like, the basement. <laughs> the bar is in concrete floor. Below with, uh, the rec room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just, I really wanted to, like, at least provide closure for everybody. Mm -hmm. That's all I can ask for at this point. Yeah. I, I'm really hoping, selfishly, that Murphy's ending is very good. And since Richard chose it, I'm hoping that it is. And everything else, at least for me, like, is like, fine, whatever. Yeah. But if, if Murphy gets a garbage ending, uh, you're, y'all are gonna hear some words. <laughs> y'all are gonna hear some words. I feel like I'm gonna be upset about whatever happens to Clark yeah. anyway, because I don't trust them at this point to do it, because I haven't seen Clark all season, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's what I'm most interested in. So now we're gonna move on to segments. Um, our first segment is the post-apocalyptic Sasquatch. Um, and, which is our favorite line award. Mine goes to Raven for, hey, don't get up. <laughs> which apparently, like, either was improvised by Lindsay or was some sort of joke on set because, uh, it wasn't in the script. I love yeah. that. And mine goes to, uh, Shade Hedda for, attention, sheep. 
I'm here to kill your shepherd. Because um, that was the only moment in the whole episode where I laughed out loud. I thought that was so much better than Miller's get the flock out of here or like whatever it was. <laughs> uh, I thought that was great. I actually yeah. really liked that too, as much as I really dislike Shade Hedda. And it was really funny. This episode had such a small amount of Shade Hedda that I was like, thank you so much. Like, I, I dislike Shade Hedda as a character, but I feel like... JR has had one of the best performances of the whole season and I think he's hilarious in every scene that he does because he's just so insane mm -hmm. and JR carries it off flawlessly. Yeah. Uh, my next segment is did someone mention Kane or Abby? They mentioned Abby. Wow. Wow. And um, I there are rumors that Abby will be in the finale. I'm not getting my personal hope us up, hopes up because I hung my clown shoes up already um, and I, I don't want to do that. So I, take that, take it for what you will. I feel so bad. Every single episode, there are people on Twitter who are just like, Lexa tonight. And I'm like, guys, I don't know. Like we saw, like Lexa was in this yeah, episode. We there saw was a, a little, of Lexa. like a little glimpse of her in the same way that we saw Kane, but like even shorter. Yeah. You would have had to pause. Yeah. And I'm like, that might be it, you guys. I don't know. Like I, I feel like a satisfying thing to do would have to, would be to have Clark trans or go into the ball of light and see people like Abby and Lexa and Bellamy and Finn, Finn and <laughs> Jake and Monty and Harper mm -hmm. and like all of these people who were super important to her. Let it be known. And, like, I will cry. I will cry. If that happens, I will cry. Like, I feel like that's the only way you can actually have something satisfying happen uh, when Clark goes into the ball of light is to bring back all the people she lost and loved and have them like say something to her. But I don't know if it'll happen. I, I'm not getting my hopes up. But they mentioned Abby in this episode. It was a really good scene. Uh, thank you. My next segment is the most valuable protagonist award. And controversial, maybe. But I'm going to give this week's MVP to Levitt. All right. I think he did a lot. He he did his, he did a pretty good job. Yeah. Like, did, was he helping getting some of Maddie's memories? Yes, but he was doing it safely. And as soon as mm -hmm. he left was the reason why bad things happened. Yeah, I think most valuable protagonist award, definitely Levitt. Honorable mention Raven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Yes, agree. And also, someone else who was very valuable, uh, Jackson. Imori uh, mm. wouldn't have made it any, like, hardly at all, like, yeah. as far if it wasn't for Jackson. Did he do the best job? No. But, hey, he's like, I don't have an operating room. <laughs> he tried. Yeah. And my next segment is, what is Sam shipping the most this episode? Uh, it's definitely Murphy, Amori, and Raven mm. as a triad. Yes. Good. Thank you. I, I just really enjoyed um, the scene between Amori and Raven. I enjoyed all of the, like, little memory bits of the episode. Those were all excellent. Um, and I just really liked watching Raven and Murphy just smash the heck out of some rocks to save their girlfriend. Just working together towards a common goal because of the person that they love, even though Raven wouldn't say it back. And like, it was just really emotional. Like, it was weird how emotional it was. Yeah. Watching them just like angrily and terrifiedly uh, smash concrete. Mm -hmm. How many episodes since the last murder? Although none of our main characters died, a lot of murder happened. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Um, so now it's time for our trailer reaction. Guys, I don't know how to tell you this. We expected it, but this next episode is the finale, and it's directed and written by Jason. Okay. So, I don't know. That man hates us. <laughs> like, I really feel like he hates us, and I don't want him to hate us because then bad things happen. And, like, he has... I'm gonna say it. He doesn't have a reason to hate us. We're the reason he has a job. Yeah. So, 
whatever this is going to be, whether it's satisfying in any way or a spite-filled mess, uh, let's just get it over with. It's going to be over. It's going to be over. It's less than a week now. We have 61 minutes to live through, and then we're done. Yeah, there's an extra minute, did you hear? There's there's an extra minute, so set your DVR <laughs> since it's uh, 2005. I just wanted to say that I think it's funny that we're like, set your DVRs because we know you're not watching live. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be watching live. Uh, oh, God. I'm going to watch live as well because I live with Robin and that's what we do here. And, uh, yeah. And just, you know, there there are commercials. We, we get breaks mm-hmm. between whatever is coming. That feels better. So yeah. there are 45 odd minutes and then we'll, then, then there are no more minutes and we can, we can live in peace. Also, this episode is called The Last War. So it's not called Maybe Meet Again. It's not called We Will Rise. It's not called A Your Fight Is Over. It's just called The Last War because Jason wants to name it after things that we don't care about ultimately. Neat. Okay, I haven't looked yet, but watch the blurb for this episode be like, the last war. The last war happens. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, okay, series finale. After all the fighting and loss, Clark and her friends have reached the final battle. But is humanity worthy of something greater? No. Probably not. I think so. I think but... so. Both in reality and before this season on this show, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, you haven't... You haven't convinced me of that, so um, that's your fault. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one, play. Okay, so the arc. We we really start with the arc. So you're back here after you left? Shout out to Jonathan. We're selfish and we're violent. That's gonna be good. That's yeah, gonna be a I'm good Yeah, I'm ready scene. for that raven scene for sure. Yeah, okay. Because it seems like more of the, like, previous raven. So the thing that a lot of people are talking about on Twitter is the fact that we see the arc, like, completely intact mm-hmm. here. Um, it's like our first shot here. That is very interesting to me, uh, specifically. So now we have Clark and Maddie again. Clark is apologizing to Maddie. Octavia and Levitt are no longer here. And at the, at the ending of this episode, they left. So this must be after she comes back? Yeah, for, she clearly comes back for, for some, some reason, reason. Yeah, for some reason I thought it was going to be like she goes and she walks into the stone room and that's the rest of the episode and we like right. don't see Maddie again or whatever. I thought so as well. Yeah. Um, and I also think it's really weird that Clark, for some reason, pulled her out of the chair and yeah. she's now lying on the floor. Like she can't hold up her head. She, yeah. she can't even see her at this point. She's looking up at the ceiling. Yeah. And yet, then in this other one where she's saying, I, I failed you, I failed everyone, it looks like she's still sitting in the chair. Right. This is someone... Is that it, Jordan? <laughs> someone's going through the anomaly. This is very clearly in the Arboretum on Bardo. Um, we can't tell exactly who it is. I have a... F- oh, it's definitely Jordan. Yeah, we got another shot and it's Jordan. This is Echo inside of one of the helmets. She has Asgeta war paint on, which I think is interesting. So maybe we'll make it about Asgeta again because of the symbol on the ground. Oh, it looks like um, Jordan walked in and was like, oh, good, nobody's here. And then everybody came out of ghost mode, and it turns out there's, like, a lot of people here, it looks like. Yeah. And Jonathan is yelling. I think he's saying the last war is here. I think the or war some, is here. Yeah, right, or something like that. Or something's here. Shout out, Jonathan. Uh, good for him. I sorry, hope he got well paid for this. Yeah, sorry about your death in Riverdale, but Sorry fine. about your inevitable death on this show as well. And now we've got, like, a whole bunch of people on each side, so it feels like we brought in one crew. We brought in Allegis, maybe? Maybe Murphy... And co rally everybody in because Raven is wearing a suit right by the by the clip in in this where we see her mm-hmm. so maybe they bring everybody from Sanctum 
but I don't have any idea how they could convince the people on Sanctum to to help them leave a planet where they're just chilling to come get shot at. Or somehow maybe Shade Hedda finds his way back to Sanctum and brings them or something. I don't know. Um, Murphy's yelling. What, what you saying, buddy? Come on, I think. Oh yeah, just come on. Um, they're trying to save Amori with Raven's help also. Mm-hmm. And of course, Raven's making her big speech mm-hmm. about how garbagey they are but at least they're here (laughs) we're selfish and mean but we survive and uh okay she's right yeah (laughs) um uh, cadigan walking down the hallways of bardo with a bunch of disciples um we have hope jordan and nyla in the middle of like the battle indra not nyla that's what i meant i meant indra (laughs) it's a series finale i'm not sure what this is it looks like some sort of bomb running down the hall yeah and a bomb Okay, that's a bit of a flash. There's just some flashes. Let me grab those. I also remembered something that I forgot to say earlier. Okay. What? Um, there, in the title sequence, I should have brought this up when we were talking about the title sequence, but in the title sequence over Jason's name, his name is usually over, like, wherever we are for the mm-hmm. episode, uh, for, like, the A story of the episode, and um, we're in the rotunda when his name comes up in this one. But it flashes three different versions of the rotunda. Oh. Um, there's one where it's, like, bloody and dark. And then there's one where it's bloody and spotty and, like, but, like, lit. But, mm. like, dirty. Like, I, I don't know which. Like, it's just been a long time? I don't know if that. I think that's supposed to be the indicator of, like, now. Mm. And then the one where it's bloody and dark is supposed to be the indicator of, like, during, it, the, yes. six, th- during the six years when Octavia's Blood Reina. And then there's one where it's, like, pristine. Which is, like, Cadigan time. Right. And I'm like, does that mean anything? Like, are we going back to... Are we time traveling? Again. Okay, so this is more war stuff. More war stuff. Clark Clark shooting a gun. gun. Indra shooting a, like, a giant thing. That's my girl. That's... Maybe that's one of the flamethrowers. what she deserves. Give her that bazooka. That's it. Uh, That's it. That's the last trailer of the, um... Entire series. Of the entire series. Uh... Wow. All right. Okay. Let's do it. You know? Give it to me. I've been I've, I've been waiting, so let's let's do it. It's been I I mean, I've been a fan of this show since season 2. Same. So, it's been 5 years. Yeah. So we've been here. Um and this is where it's gotten us, but okay. Yeah. Okay. Stay tuned for next week when we talk about the series finale. It's going to be going up since there is no episode after that. It's going to be going up on Wednesday, the Wednesday after um the finale mm-hmm. uh unless you're on patreon in which case you get a couple days early and in that episode we're gonna talk about our plans for seasons one to three and we are going to reveal what everyone's been wondering about about how i said we might not be doing it the way that you think so <laughs> next episode we'll reveal what we mean by that and uh and what the plan is for next year um okay (laughs) okay yeah thank you so much for listening to this episode our music is terminal by good news tunes please if you're so inclined give us a review on apple Podcasts or wherever you listen um and even maybe if you just want to give those stars those are also fine if you're a fan of riverdale we'd like to talk about that show too uh we've covered every existing episode and uh season five just started production and we're really excited about it Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh if you're a fan of lost we like to talk about that show too i wholeheartedly recommend it um after i have like a couple people in my dms that are gonna start lost after (laughs) after this is over and i could not recommend it enough it like takes a lot of the elements of this show and just like does it better like it's it's not ya but it is um everything that the show wishes it was 
So yeah, and our podcast is spoiler-free, so if you're watching for the first time, you can listen to our podcasts with it. Uh, there's a spoiler section at the end that you basically just, like, don't listen to. <laughs> um, and yeah, we have guests over there, too, so if you're a big fan of Lost, uh, hit me up and we can maybe find a time for you guys to come on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, if you're a fan of Star Trek, we like to talk about that show, too. Uh, we have a, a whole season of Star Trek Picard covered, as well as a roundtable with a few of our other Trekkie friends. Uh, it's made up of me and Brittany and Robin. Uh, me and Brittany are both big Star Trek fans, and Brittany is a longtime Trekkie. I'm a new Trekkie, and Robin is a brand new Trekkie. Um, so if you, uh, there's something for everybody if you want to check that one out. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. Um, if you're looking for a show that has uh, slightly less episodes, um, you should definitely <laughs> check that out. It's on Netflix, and it's just like, it's very good. It's very sci-fi, um, mm-hmm. but like very fun and 80s and so it's like a period piece and it's sci-fi and it's kind of it has magic powers and, and it's full it's, of pop culture references so and fun. like a, ver- a variety hair. of storylines yeah. that are all balanced super well and they all thread throughout the season and very come good together. acting such good acting very good writing yeah. yeah so definitely check that out we are almost finished season two and then we are going to be doing season three all of 2021 woohoo uh, you can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, and YouTube. Uh, mostly on Twitter, but Robin does make gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr, and you should go like those if you want. Thanks! Uh, our Patreon, like we said before, is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it's expensive, and um, you get early access for all of our podcasts if you um, become a patron at $1 or more. $5 or more gets you 10% off at choppylux.com, um, which is where me and Brittany sell some art. Our links are in the description. Um, so we really appreciate you guys checking it out. Annual memberships are also now available, so yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at, at samcases, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. And you can follow my um, embroidery business at Hybridy, which is at H-I-B-Y-R-D-I on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. <laughs> Our next episode is episode 716. It's called The Last War. It is episode 100 out of 100. So, <laughs> there's that. It's gonna happen, and we're gonna be there, and then we're gonna talk about it, and then and then we'll finally all be free. Hallelujah. Hot late. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye.